The Spanish Announce Table. You have found Pro Wrestling's best podcast. I am Tim, that's Tom, and that's Smooth Tista and Stone Cold Steve Austin hanging out with Tom over there. Blue Tista, for those of you who are watching on the live stream, got Blue Tista and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Unfortunately, Stone Cold Steve Austin without the pinless elbows. That's a big thing I'm finding out in the pro wrestling figure world is you want pinless elbows. Right. This does not have it. I don't have but, those. It looks like he was cupping. Yeah. But look, he's got the knee brace. I got the cool tattoo. I got the vest. I also have a shirt. Cool. So it's a really good one. What? Yeah. The cool knee brace? Is the tattoo cool? Oh, no. I meant to say knee brace. <laughs> Fucking cares about Texas. Texas is a cult. Uh, just going to say it. It really is. I don't care. If you disagree, one you're of in a cult. my favorite moments in wrestling history was only experienced by maybe 150 to 225 people in the Camelot Ballroom in Overland Park, Kansas, when you and I were sitting in a DWF event, and a guy came out, and he had a bull rope and a, you know, a bell, and he had on cowboy boots and mm-hmm. long hair, and he raised his fist up in the air, and everybody was quiet because he sucked, and you yelled, Texas isn't a gimmick! <laughs> Just like like started looking around like who fucking said that? <laughs> the whole place erupted. I was just like, that's I'll never get a better moment than that from a comedy perspective. That <laughs> was the best thing I've ever heard. It's like true. Texas isn't a gimmick. Like why are you doing this? Ah uh, man, and it's been tried by so many people, and it's never worked because it's not a gimmick. It's not a gimmick. Ah, uh, anyhow, Tim, how are you? Mm. Uh, I'm doing well. Um, I hope you're doing well. We got Jeffrey Sills in the chat. I hope Jeffrey Sills is doing well. He says, shout out to the best tag team since Sting and Luger. Flair gets woos and Hogan gets boos. Who's the real heel in this scenario? LOL. And uh, Tom, man, I'm doing pretty well yourself other than your uh, pinless elbows over there. I'm doing well. I'm actually, I'm trying a beer that you're familiar with. Uh, I'm going to Germany in two weeks. Um, and so I was like, I've never had German beer before. Uh, so I got, how do you say it? it's war Steiner to me, but how do you Warsteiner. say it? There it is. That sounds yeah. racist, racist somehow. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I'm trying that tonight. Um, so yeah. we're, we're seeing how that goes. It's, it smells pretty potent. It tastes actually pretty smooth. It smells like smell, spoiled bread. <laughs> it smells like fucking it's gonna throw you in an oven but um, i used to tell people that you would like you would drink german beer with a fork that stuff was so thick it is thick mm-hmm. it's thick like a <laughs> fucking fat bitch that's for sure and honestly sometimes um, i'm like is this warm like i don't know what's going on here <laughs> well that's the one thing though that i'm actually uh excited to experience is because when we went on our honeymoon and we did a trip of the british isles you know we did uh, england scotland ireland um wales all that stuff we got to drink but it was more like a get up and go get up and go get up go this time we're going to be in frankfurt for five days four days excuse me and so I'm exper- I'm excited to experience like real meals. You know what I'm saying by that? Mm-hmm. Like not like a group of 20 of us walk in, the restaurant was rented out by the place that set it up, you know, like just fucking sitting there. Because apparently, correct me if I'm wrong, uh Europeans, they don't like ice, right? Ice is like a 
middle finger, they right? Typically, at least in the, in that uh, parts where I was, right in the Germany and that sort of, mm-hmm. um, sort of Western European, yeah, I think their their thought is like that's a shock to the system, so they're not like overly full of ice. Like you might get a little bit here and there, and there's like a slight chill to some beverages, but more often mm-hmm. than not, it's like a room temperature or slightly colder than that, especially with the beers. Um, yeah, well, that's almost what like I a prefer. you know a cooler fridge at, at most. Yeah, oh, of course, especially with a flavorful beer. Again, like um, chilling something will reduce the flavor of it, right? It just so happens yeah. that works great for American beer because there's no fucking flavor in it. Right, but so I'm I'm excited to experience like how they actually drink this because I just put it in the fridge because I didn't know where else to put it. Uh, and also, my put it in a glass. Like, it probably shows yeah. you the type of glass on the bottle somewhere, if I'm not mistaken, on the back label. Maybe might even show you like a style of glass. Maybe not. That's more typical of Belgian beers. It's not in the language I understand, so. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well. There it is. There is that. Um, so, yeah. No, I used to drink a lot of that over there. Yep. Bitburger was another favorite of mine, which was more of like a mass-produced kind over there, but it was a mass-produced kind over there still beats a lot of things over here, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good so stuff. I'm excited good to, times. like, I like room temperature, actually everything. Um, and so I'm excited to experience that, like how they actually everything. do it. Everything. Now, the thing that I'm nervous about, have I told you this? So the thing, I'm, well, first off, the number one thing I'm nervous about is uh, losing to the Dolphins. I don't want to do that. Happen. Right, but I just don't want to do Reed that. Andy Reid is going to work circles around Mike McDaniel. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyhow, the other thing I'm worried about is, so my sleeping arrangement. Have I told you my sleeping arrangement before? This is my sleeping arrangement. I take two tramadols, two edibles, mm. and then I put three ice packs on, and then I go to bed. That's how I go to sleep. I put one on my shoulder, one on my elbow, and then one on the back of my neck, and then I sleep until they're you know two trammies and two eddies. Mm-hmm. That yeah. might be the episode title. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, but with Europeans kind of middle fingering the the ice box. Um, I'm nervous that I'm not going to have my uh, ice packs. So nervous because I'd like to sleep for five days. That would be great because if I don't do that, I'm being dead serious. You have a hotel there. You might reach Mm -hmm. just speak with them about accommodations. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, we're going to probably do that. Um, But yeah, like I've got it down to a science that if I don't do that, I only sleep for about an hour and a half to two hours. To get me mm. from like ten forty five when I go to bed to like five fifteen, that's the regimen I well, need. Well, there's going to be some time where you're going without sleep anyway, but that's going to be because you're partying from the high of the Kansas City Chiefs, molly whopping the dolphins. I hope so. We're going out there to hunt yeah. some dolphins. You know what I mean? Going fishing. Ooh. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so uh, I'm nervous about the trip as far as those concerns. Um, but plane we'll ride is probably works. what eight, eight, nine hours or so. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I can go through that. Uh, that's... Going? Did you did you bump up? Did you get a higher class? Or you go in economy? I don't know. I they booked it. You. No, yeah. I don't know. The thing, the only thing that I know is that you can't check in until you're actually there. So like the 24 hour before bullshit, you know, Oh, this is part of a package deal. So you don't even get the, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So right. you don't know what your so, accommodations are going to be flight wise. Really? Exactly. Yeah. So the only thing that I know is we're getting there early. Cause our flights at three o'clock in the afternoon. So we want to eat lunch at the airport and then 
uh, we want to use because I'm on that clear motherfucker. And so I ain't walking with these pores. So I'm putting my clear number in so I can cut that line and get out fucking smelly. You know what we did coming back from the United States or coming back from Greece into the United States. Sorry. Um, we had like a one hour layover from getting off of the, of the plane from Greece, from Athens to get in Atlanta to a flight back home. Right. And the customs line was like 400 people long. There's an app that you can pre-check in. And so like we like filled all that stuff out, you like take a photo of your of your passport and everything, check all that out. And we walk and we like find the line and it looks like it's closed and there's just some guy standing there and we were like, "Is this the app line?" He was like, "You filled out the app." And we like held it up and he was like, "All right." And you're literally just like undid it like it's the velvet rope. And it was like, "Hurry up." And like and then literally like we go in there and another lady was like, "Oh, right this way." And she like walks us up and just puts us at the front of the other line of like 400 people, like just walked us up in front of those people and was like here. And I was like, I didn't even pay anything for this. I just went to the app and filled it out. Yeah. Now I have, I have clear. And so I paid two years ago for it or whatever. And it lasts for six. Um, But yeah, I did the pre-check. I paid for that. You got to do that. This is, well, this is above that. This is above the pre-check. Yeah. This is where, man. Yeah. Hey, listen, uh, I'm a called, baller too. It's called uh it's called uh TSA. What is it? TSA? Is that right? TSA, TSA? is that yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's called TSA clear. Clear. Look, yeah. And you don't fucking have to take your shoes off, belt up. Gonna... You just right and it feels so fucking good, especially if there's rich people in the line to fucking cut them when you're in like a workout t-shirt. Oh they get so mad. Fucking love it. Anyway. Love it. So that's yeah. our life, the ballers that we are, right? Talking about some uh, German beers, international flights and trips, and and bucking the system and and paying our way to the front of the line wherever we go, right? That's what we like to do. Um, what do you like to do? Hit us up in the chats on the YouTube live streams. We do this each and every week, guaranteed on Thursday, most likely, maybe some other days, at precisely seven fifteen ish on the dot every week. It's like clockwork. You know, mark your calendars with it, whatever, right? Make a sundial. I don't give a fuck. Tom! Hell yeah! We're going to talk about some pro wrestling. We have AEW Dynamite happen last night. So much fun stuff that I want to talk about in there. I giggled, like literally giggled at times. We're going to have we're gonna talk about some things that happened on this day in pro wrestling history. You've got a top five list for that ass, and we're going to get into it. You ready, Tom? You ready to take a little trip? Back in time! Talking about some pro wrestling fun. Yeah. Hell yeah. That is always a good, like, it wets the whistle. Back in time. A good hors d'oeuvre for what we're about to get into, right? When we talk about what happened. We better never make it too famous, right? Because we're going to get sued by a lot of people. (laughs) Allegedly. All this is allegedly. All right. Who do you got there, too? Is that uh, Adam Copeland? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Short haired, long beard, Adam Copeland. Yep. Motorcycle mechanic. Hell yeah. Unfiltered cigarette smoking Adam Copeland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Obscure yeah. rock band loving Adam Copeland. Yeah. He looks like someone who tried out to be in a metal band and phased mm-hmm. out. And so then he sold weed to his local, yeah. you know, neighbors. He looks. He looks like he has a motorcycle that he bought three years ago that is still like unfinished in his garage that he never, you know what I mean? Like can't quite mm-hmm. get working again. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he always comes home and smokes a cigarette outside because he doesn't want to ruin the walls on the inside. Right. Yep. He also has six pairs of black chucks. Oh, and he's still wearing Affliction t-shirts? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, brother. Yep. Yeah. And always some kind of jacket. It's either leather or it's like a canvas or mm-hmm. something. There's a jacket on over the shirt at all mm-hmm. times. Dead of summer jacket looks he looks like when he uh (laughs) smokes cigarettes he spits you know what i mean the op says he looks like an independent plumber that will fix your plumbing issues and steal your energy drinks jeffrey sills in the chat says adam copeland looks like the lead singer to a christian rock group and man you might have hit the nail on the head right there jeffrey sills and this is why you should join the chat because you can talk to us and we need wrestling friends right tom and i have been friends for a long time and let's be honest you know when you've been friends with somebody for a long time You've heard all their stories, right? We have no new stories for each other that we didn't make just today, right? So, like, we need some new friends to come and talk wrestling with us because Tom and I have talked about pro wrestling left and right under the sun for over 10 years here on this show, and we need more topics that we haven't thought about, and that's where some of you come in. But right now, we are taking that trip. We're hopping in our Spanish announced time machine, and we're going back in time, and we're going to see what happened on this day. Again, for any new uh, viewers or listeners, we like to talk about what's going to happen next week. Next week, Monday through Friday, is the October 23rd through the October 27th. And we like to talk about something that happened on those days in pro wrestling history. So you Hell can yeah. tell your friends, right? right? So you can look cool, question mark, like we do. And Tom, on this day. October 23rd, 1994, WCW, Ooh. Halloween Havoc was held in Detroit, Michigan. Johnny B. Bad retained the world television title, wrestling to a time limit draw against the Honky Tonk Man. See what they did there? It's Johnny B. Bad. I'm assuming that this was Rockabilly gimmick, Johnny B. Bad versus Honky Tonk mm-hmm. Man. I didn't realize Honky Tonk Man. Oh, I guess that's true. We've seen him work in the indie still as Honky Tonk Man. He owned that gimmick, huh? That was a yep. him thing. That's that his name. Yeah. Thing. Yep. Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff and Pretty Paul Roma, known as Pretty Wonderful, won the World Tag Team titles, defeating the Patriot and Marcus Alexander Bagwell, known as Stars and Stripes. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is still, this is coming out of territory wrestling, right? We're all still very, very cliche here. Stunning Steve Austin failed to win the United States title when he was disqualified for throwing champion Hacksaw Jim Duggan over the top rope. Look at that. They're stunning Steve Austin, too. See, another benefit here, you podcast listeners, and we love you, you podcast listeners, uh, you should watch the live stream uh, on Thursday nights, and you get to see these fun things. Tom's putting up his his lavish action figure collection here that you can see if you follow T-Mac Toy Wrestling on on Instagram, Instagram. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in awesome poses and situations that come from the mind of Tom. Uh, but anyway, back to this story here. The main event, however, of Halloween Havoc 1994 saw a career versus career steel cage match for the world heavyweight title with Mr. Mm-hmm. T serving as the special guest referee. Hulk Hogan retained his championship, defeating this wrestler who would be forced to retire, even though he would eventually return three months later in January 1995. On this day. Rick Flair. Rick Flair. I think he's holding <laughs> four. 
94 94 that's probably the right haircut too right there yeah right? this that, is that. yeah yeah, the uh, professional the, woman's bob, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, because he was forced to <laughs> cut Hillary his Clinton. hair. Well, he was forced to cut his hair by uh, Bill Watts, or not Bill Watts, uh, Jim Hurd. Uh, and then when he came back from his uh, WWE run, he was still growing it out. So yeah, this is and this is my favorite Four Horsemen shirt. If anyone can find this for me, oh, like it, from a yeah. legit person, this is the fucking shirt I need. Oh, like a legit, not a remake of it. You want to find an yeah. original print. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tom Spain top dollar. He's a bala. You heard that, right? You heard that earlier, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stunning Steve Austin was a prodigy back in his WCW days. Jeffrey Sills says. Oh yeah, he was awesome. He was fucking wrestling. Uh, because remember it was the Hollywood Blondes, which should tell you how long the uh Flair's been wrestling. When the Hollywood Blondes were cutting down Flair and Arn Anderson for being old, that was in '92. Theo P seventy five says Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner called Ric Flair a sack of warm yogurt. I mean, he ain't lying. <laughs> Scott Steiner's great because he's always saying things like he's fat. You know, I got I got his action figure coming, and I got like the chain head and everything, like the Big Papa Pump, not the I this want the fat tag team. Of- <laughs> yeah, I want the tag team, but with the Big Papa Pump, I could do fun things with Big Papa Pump. And then this guy. Oh, yeah. yes. Yes. Yeah. Fat asses. Yep. Hell yeah. She's not only um, ugly, she's fat. That one might be my favorite just because of how <laughs> he just exclamation the, point at the end of it. He over enunciates every consonant in this. She's thing. not only ugly, she's fat. For never being clear spoken or well versed, he says, she's not only ugly. She's fat. fat. <laughs> like yep. He hits every mark of it. Like he practiced mm-hmm. that hard. Uh, go- <laughs> going back to that uh, event, though, that also saw uh, Shaquille O'Neal walk out with Hulk Hogan uh, in that steel cage match. So they had Shaq. They had Mr. T, which side note, we're going to go on a side quest real quick. We'll get back on yeah. this day. Yeah. I read a quote from Chris Jericho about the head-to-head from the Tuesday night show that we went to, man, if he was in charge, Chris Jericho was in charge, that show would have been way different. He wanted to bring in Shaq and Mike Tyson and uh, um, who was the other person he said? He said he wanted to bring in Shaq, Mike Tyson, uh, and, and like someone else. And I was like, man, that was Listen, I don't think he's wrong. Like, look, it worked very well for WWE events back in the day, right? What WWE tried to do this time with NXT was like, let's bring back all the stars that are like wrestling stars. Like, it's the mainstream folks that are going to be like, why is Mike Tyson on WWE, right? I'm going to go check that out. And then they go, man, that motherfucker who flipped him off was pretty cool, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to check that out. That motherfucker looks like a cool dude. Like, that... It's not how they verbalized it, right? That's my old right. white nerdy way of saying it, but you get what I mean. But if they could have got the payoff in in front of us in independence of Shaq versus Paul White, how crazy would that have been? We would have like lost our minds. You would have not not all over uh, that place. Oh, I would have jumped the barricade. I'm like, I'm meeting Shaq. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, you would have elbowed that old dude. They had like mm. a 60 year old guy acting as security there. <laughs> Super nice. Very awesome nice dude. individual. Yeah. Yeah. And looked like he was a strapping fella in his day, right? Like, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Like, he looks like he could throw a lot of dudes around, but like, he wasn't going to stop Tom. Nope. <laughs> nope. Especially Tom on a mission to party because Shaq just beat Paul White and then disappeared yeah. in an ambulance again. 
That would have been so cool if that's actually happened. Anyhow, we still don't uh, have read... the answer to what happened there, and I'm waiting. For I that. love it. Good. <laughs> so Never want to know. All right. Um, but I read that yeah. quote, and I was like, "Man, that would have been cool." So anyhow, yeah. So Shaq. All right, let's go. Back in time. <laughs> let's let's move on. We're having so much fun with that. All right. Anyway. On this day. October twenty fourth, two thousand ten. Not so much fun. WWE bragging rights was held in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The mini one. Layla retained the Divas title, defeating Natalia. Yep. Kane retained the World Heavyweight title, defeating The Undertaker in a Buried Alive match. Team SmackDown of Alberto Del Rio, Big Show, Edge, Jack Swagger, Kofi Kingston, Rey Mysterio, and Tyler Rex with Hornswoggle ringside defeated Team Raw of CM Punk, Ezekiel Jackson, John Morrison, The Miz, R-Truth, Santino Morella, and Sheamus, excuse me, with Alex Riley ringside. What a colossal, like just a clusterfuck. Wade Barrett retained the WWE Championship when he was disqualified in his title defense against Randy Orton. And dashing Cody Rhodes and Drew McIntyre lost their WWE Tag Team titles to David Otunga and which wrestler? You already said Wade Barrett, right? Uh-huh. You said Wade Barrett. So it's not yeah. David Otunga and Wade Barrett. Uh-huh. Oh, Hurts is asshole. You would think because they were a tag team that it was Curtis Axel or hurt his asshole, but it's mm-hmm. not it. So I want to, because that's an easy thing that you might go to. I'll offer you another guess here. Who might it have been then? It was a Nexus member. It wasn't? It was. It oh, was a it was Nexus, a Nexus. Mm-hmm. Heath Slater. Mm, it was not Heath Slater. You want to know who it was? Tarver. And his name is John Cena! <laughs> Yeah, John Cena and David Otunga won the Tag Team Championships October 24th, 2010. Remember, John Cena was unwillingly part of Nexus as Wade Barrett was on his power trip. He was the world champion. Yeah. Yeah, that was right. And his name is John Cena! (laughs) Yeah, that was right when I was checking out. That's when I got my job at and I was like, mm-hmm. MMA is way better than this fucking trash. And so I was like, pro wrestling. I was like, keep tabs on it. Like, oh, let's just see what the champs I mean, are. Fuck yeah. that, though. Mm-mm. Fuck that. No, it was not a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Jeffrey Sills called that one. He knew what was up. He knew that it was. And his name is John Cena. <laughs> we have that in perpetuity now for this show. So be uh, wary. Yeah. More like <laughs> Yawn Cena. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. More like Yon Cena. All right, let's go hop back in the Spanish nouns time machine and go back in time and see what happened. On, this day. On October 25th, 2005, TNA Impact was taped in Orlando, Florida. Jeff Hardy, Lance Hoyt, and Sabu defeated David Young, Elix Skipper, and Simon Diamond in a six man tag match. Uh, Alex Shelley, Christopher Daniels, and Samoa Joe defeated AJ Styles, Austin Aries, and Sanjay Dutt 
in a six-man tag match. Petey Williams defeated Chris Sabin and Matt Bentley in an Ultimate X match, and Rhino lost the World Heavyweight title to this man, a man he just defeated for that very title only two days prior at Bound for Glory. Who would Rhino lose to who just jobbed him two days prior? Brock Who could Lesnar. that be? Brock, Brock Lesnar. Lesnar. Yeah, that who it is. 2005 yeah. Tina. Hey, man, he might have showed up there. He might have been. He might have, like, waltzed in the door. Uh, Jeffrey mm-hmm. Sills suggested somebody in the chat. Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Muhammad Ali. It is the last outlaw. Jeffrey Jarrett says Jeffrey Sills. By the way, we're big with Jeffs here on the Spanish announce table. Jeffrey Sills is a big fan. Jeffrey Todd. Jeff mm-hmm. Jarrett is probably our number one fan. And Tom is his number one fan. And uh, yeah, Jeff Jarrett winning a title once again. On this day. 2005. You know, he has a title match on Saturday against Eddie Kingston. See, he's winning titles in decades and decades and decades. In oh, he ain't beating Eddie Houston. Kingston. God damn it. If he beats Eddie Kingston, I will fucking write. Not watching AEW version. ever again. I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 I'll bust this over his fucking head. I'm fucking driving to their out. next event and I'm waiting yeah. for Tony Khan outside. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Let's yeah, hop we'll back start, in the. Uh, we'll start talking about K State basketball if fucking Jeff Jarrett beats Eddie Kingston. God damn it. Fuck wrestling. We ain't even talking about that we'll shit do a ever. We'll basketball podcast. I like yeah. it. All right. Maybe let's, let's see what happens here. All right. <laughs> let's go. Back in time. And see what happened. On this day. October 26th, 1997. WCW Halloween Havoc was held in Las Vegas, Nevada. Rey Mysterio won the cruiserweight title, defeating Eddie Guerrero in a title versus mask match. Ric Flair failed to win the United States title when he was disqualified in his match against Kurt Hennig. Randy Savage defeated Diamond Dallas Page in a Las Vegas sudden death match, which was just a last man standing match. And Hulk Hogan lost a steel cage match via sleeper hold to which wrestler? On this day. What year? 97. Piper. It was Roddy Piper. Yeah, the sleeper hold was kind of a dead giveaway, right? But that's it. What? How WCW was Russo here at this time? A sleeper hold in a cage match. Like I don't. Well, that, <laughs> like, that wasn't even the worst part. Is that they kept Piper around after they did the whole like, uh, you know, this angle, and then they did a War Games match where it was. NWO versus WCW versus Team Piper, which was like, what? Who the? You're now another organization or a group? Like, fuck off. Yeah, Piper got really stupid after that angle. I mean, some could argue he was always kind of stupid, but that angle was pretty cool. That's the one, if you remember, that uh, they kicked the giant out. It was the first time that we got to see uh, Big Show, Paul White, the giant kind of do the whole, I don't want to hurt the old man. And then they fucking ran that shit back over and over and over and over again. Um, but that's how he got kicked out of the NWO is he wouldn't beat up yep. Piper. Wouldn't beat up Piper. What a wuss. 
What a baby. Right. <laughs> well, and I just don't get like, choke slam. I'm really soft and like, oh, see, I did it. Like, could have easily done it. Yeah. What a bitch. Yeah. You don't know how to fake it on your job. Like, everybody knows yeah. how to do that. Fucking yeah. Come loser. on. All right. Let's go. Back in time. And see what happened. On this day. On October 27th, 1991, WCW Halloween Havoc was held in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Steve Austin retained the world television title when he wrestled to a time limit draw against Dustin Rhodes. Brian Pillman defeated Richard Morton to win the inaugural WCW light heavyweight title. Arn Anderson and Larry Zabisco, known as the Enforcers, retained the world tag team titles, defeating Todd Champion and Firebreaker Chip, known as the Patriots. I don't know who the fuck those two people are. Lex Luger retained the world heavyweight title, defeating Ron Simmons 2-1 to one in a two out of three falls match. But this event is most remembered for the opening bout, which saw Sting, Eligante, and the Steiner Brothers defeat Cactus Jack, the Diamond Stud, Big Van Vader, and Abdullah the Butcher. <laughs> I can't even get through this. In a chamber of horrors match a chamber of horrors match thomas held in a steel cage but how do you win a chamber of horrors match was this the one where you like started at the top and you had to like go down all the levels and then get out at the Mm, bottom no like it's not the multiple that was something with the uh with the the legion of doom or whatever they call it not legion of doom uh kevin sullivan's Uh, group right yeah yeah, um, case of fear. Yeah, no, yeah, that was something different though. No, this is this is like one giant, almost like a a elimination chamber kind of. It like had edges to the top, but it wasn't. I don't think fully enclosed, but it was like a, a caged in thing. These four on four, and you had to do something very specific, not typical to a wrestling match to win this match. I don't remember what was it. So you must place one of your opponents. In an electric chair and pull oh, the lever yeah. to activate the chair. Now, Team Sting won this match because Cactus, Cactus Jack inadvertently pulled the lever when his own teammate, Abdullah the Butcher, yeah, I do was in this. the chair. Yeah, I do remember Abdullah. Yeah. Ooh, 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 ooh. yeah, I do remember that. I forgot it was a Chamber of Horrors, but yes, I do remember God, the electric We chair. talk about WCW 2000, but WCW pre-Nitro, like, NWO was, was not great either. Like, it was well, bad. The thing that I find so interesting, especially when you talk to, like, the Jim Cornettes of the world, is they like to position WWE as this, like, hokey pokey, oh, superstars, Hogan didn't know a wristwatch. Yeah, cartoonish, where the real athletes were over in NWA, WCW, which to a certain extent, okay, right? Like you just said, Ron Simmons, the Steiner brothers, Vader, like those are more realistic wrestlers. But then, yeah, it's a fucking electrocution bullshit. And it's like, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, you uh, had the Diamond Stud. You had all of the Kevin Sullivan folks. Like you had... All of these gimmicky bullshit things over yeah, there. Yeah, the the buckhouse match on the back of a flatbed semi and shit. Like, 
fuck off. You guys were also hokey, Jim Cornette. Like, you act like you were this. It's pro wrestling. We're all a little hokey here. <laughs> yeah, but, like, he acts like he was this beacon of strength to keep the integrity of pro wrestling alive. Realism. Off. I was bringing realism okay. with my tennis racket that I've never played tennis in my life. <laughs> yeah, the only thing real was that he broke his fucking legs because he was afraid of heights and didn't know how to fall when the Legion of Doom pushed Ooh. him off that scaffolding, fucking idiot. Thing he was, was how super cheap that great suit guest. was, but yeah, super oh, yeah. great guest though. Love one guy. of our yeah, one of our most friendly guests. I think most excited yeah. to be on the show. Yeah, <laughs> you know? like it was fun. There. Great guy. Love Very to have good. him back on. All right, so that was our trip to see what happened in pro wrestling history, and that's fun, and we always like that. But another little look back over the history, and even up to and including current day that we like to do each week, is a little top five list. Anybody who knows this show knows Tom loves lists. Love it. If you got a list, Tom wants to hear it, and Tom wants to fight you over it because his list is going to be better. And Tom gives you a different list each week. I gave him, I don't know, 30 topics, and I said, mm -hmm. make some lists on these. And this week, Tom, you told me you're going to do Tom's top five greatest storylines in pro wrestling history, all of pro wrestlingdom. All of it. Let's go. Here we this go. Is and this is actually this is actually going to be in order. In order. Like okay. so, five being the fifth best, four being right. the fourth best, and so on. Number one being number one. You all know how to count, maybe. Let's hope. All right. So number five, I'm coming out hot, and if you disagree with me, sucks to be you. Number five. You gonna say it? Say it. Oh yeah. Number five. Yeah, all right, yeah. <laughs> Sting versus the NWO. Ooh, now, okay. Here's the thing. You cannot deny week to week crowds were losing their fucking mind 100%. when Sting would just appear. Oh my god, he's up there on the rafters. Just Not even with a put crook. the light on him and he it yeah. could have been a fucking mannequin and we wouldn't know. Yeah. And at the start of this was very, very interesting. Remember, he turned his back to Macho Man, was like, if you're going to hit me, hit me. And then obviously we had the fake sting that was in the limo. And then, uh, like I mentioned, the Macho Man. And then Macho Man kind of followed him for a while. But then Macho Man turned on him and sided with the NWO, which should have never fucking happened, which that'll be another side story. Um, but the reason it goes to number five and not higher is it got to a certain point, especially like start of 97 until Starcade, where it was like rinse repeat, where the NWO attacks DDP. Kind of bloodline, right? Yeah, was, Sting yeah. fucking comes down, right? Clears the ring. And it's kind of the like, the oh, we're doing the same thing because we're telling the same, like, we're trying to stall the same, the right. next plot point. Right? Yeah. And then once, obviously, once Sting beat Hogan, that was kind of it. I know later, like a couple months later, then Hogan beat Sting again. But like Sting was done essentially. Well, they rivaled that. all the way through Impact. We talked about that last week. Well, yeah, obviously, obviously, but yeah. And so because of its repetitive repetitiveness after it got interesting, yeah, makes it number five. I think five is a good spot for that. Good choice, okay. Tom. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, number four. Yeah. This is my look. I did my top five. I'm doing my top five best storylines, but I'm trying to be as subjective 
or objective as possible. Subjectively, this is maybe my second favorite of all time, but I can't put it that high because it didn't necessarily last that long. And then once the payoff happened, it was kind of done. And I am talking about in the wacky, weird world of ECW, Raven versus Tommy Dreamer. This, I knew this is where you were going. Yeah. Fucking was so cool. First off, it had a backstory that didn't involve ECW, right? It was two kids that went to high school together. Uh, the the star jock, the the outcast kid. Then they get into the same promotion, so they already knew each other beforehand, which would make sense too, especially like in Eastern Championship Wrestling. I know they were ECW oh, Extreme well, Championship. And again, but, in that day, not everything yeah. was national yet quite. So like this idea that like you grow up in this town, you start working at something in the town. You either become a cop or you fucking work at the pizza mm-hmm. joint or you become a right. plumber right? Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. You work at the bank, you became a pro wrestler or you join the AAA ball club or something, right? Yeah. Exactly. And then from this, what I think is so interesting and why per- personally I think it's a little bit higher, but I just... Again, objectively, I just couldn't do it, but it spawned so many other things, right? We get Stevie Richards. We get Francine in the crowd who becomes like this fan of Ravens. Then we get Beulah McGillicuddy, who was the girl that Tommy Dreamer shunned, but then eventually sided with. And then we get the threesome with uh, um, Kamalata and uh, and um, Beulah and Tommy Dreamer. Yeah. And then you get Raven with... Uh, his flock and then stevie richards breaks off of that and then you get the blue world order with blue meanie and all of that shit so it's like there's so many like tentacles in ecw from this storyline which was awesome uh and (laughs) how can any storyline not be in the top five if when you're describing that storyline you can say the words and then we get the threesome right like Mm -hmm. it has to be a top five storyline yeah well yes (laughs) And then obviously the other great thing that I thought was awesome about it is they went against the pro wrestling trope where um, up until the finish of this storyline, Tommy dreamer never beat Raven, right? Every time he went up against Raven, Raven found nine one one, or it was Stevie Richards, or it was Shane Douglas, someone helping him to then take him out. Right now, the little asterisks on top of this storyline that i think was always great was when it was the dudley boys last night in ecw and they said they're going to take the tag team championships and they're going to lie them down at the feet of vince mcmahon and so they're like who wants to wrestle and it was the dudleys versus tommy dreamer and then raven comes in to help tommy dreamer because fuck that they're not taking those titles to wwf that was fucking awesome and then they're like fuck you we're not friends anymore but like yeah the story great realistic as far as like emotional like how you would act Mm -hmm. in those situations love it number four i think it's a key example of some of the things you've always talked about ecw where there's just so many little things that weave in and out and and just tiny little details of like an in-depth like backstory right it's built from the ground up and we'll talk about it when we go into our aw dynamite review But another thing that ECW did way better than a lot of other promotions, especially early on, was Raven and Tommy Dreamer were feuding. But Tommy Dreamer also had beef with RVD and Sabu during this time. And when Tommy Dreamer finally beats Raven, and Raven then goes to WCW, which we didn't know at the time. But I mean, we did. But you know what I'm saying? Storyline-wise, beats Raven. 
Raven rolls out of the ring, lights go out, RVD and Sabu attack Tommy Dreamer, and Jerry the King Lawler's in there going, oh, this is extremely crappy wrestling. This place should be filled with, uh, this place should be made of toilet paper because it's filled with shit. And then they're kicking their ass. And then we get a WWE invasion story into ECW, like immediately. And Tommy Dreamer is at the main point of that. So like, it's just awesome. Just fantastic fucking writing from them. Good All stuff. Right. Now, this one, I almost thought about putting, swapping this with number five. But if I'm being honest, the storyline points were better. And you mentioned it once, and it was repetitive. But if you just look at it and cut out all the fluff, it's pretty fucking great. But it's the bloodline from when Roman tells Jay, I'm the fucking man, and then makes him submit into getting in line, then makes Jimmy submit into getting in line, to then Sami Zayn going like, Roman, we could be friends, all the way up till Jay becomes main event Jay and breaks off and says, deuces, I'm the fuck out of here. That. Now, I know Monday I saw that Jimmy cost uh, Jay and uh, Cornball Cody the tag titles, right? So we're probably getting Bloodline Part 2 or whatever we're calling it. But from Roman and Jay to Jay quitting WWE, that, and you cut out the fluff, it's the best. It's one of the best. There's only going to be a few things that end the bloodline storyline. One, Death. Roman Reigns has to go away for a like serious long amount of time. Mm -hmm. uh, two, they finally think they have something else that could replace it as the primary storyline going on. Mm -hmm. I don't think they've got anything anytime soon. Now, whether that flops or not, like until they think this is going to be the thing, so it's more likely that Something happens to Roman. He's injured. He's got a movie role. He's going to have to be gone just so long that we're finally going to be like, all right, it's time to pull the trigger and it's, it's whatever wrestler. And I think, not to say Brock Lesnar was undeserving of defeating The Undertaker, right? But that moment of like, we were always like, who's going to beat The Undertaker? Nobody ever really considered an already made person in pro wrestling, mm -hmm. right? So in that mm -hmm. respect, it was a bit underwhelming on who both broke the streak, if that makes sense, right? Wasn't an underwhelming moment. Underwhelming when you look back later on, like, who broke the streak? It was like, oh, it was a guy that didn't need that feather in his cap, right? So I think it'll be one of these moments, right? Like, Roman Reigns has got to go away for something, right? Like, he's injured or, or he's going to go away for a movie, and they're like, all right, well, then let's put it on just whoever we think's hot at the moment, and it's going to be like Seth Rollins or something. Like, it's just going to be random, and it's going to not mean anything. But, like, I agree with you. And you've said this all along. The moments they told and the plot points that they got to were done exquisite. A-plus material, some of the top level. You're putting in your top five of all time. But, man, they hit that plot point, and then they went for eight weeks. They went, remember the plot point we hit? We're doing it again. We're doing it again. We're exactly. doing it again. We're doing yeah. it again. Are you ready to move on? And it was just like, I mean, I am ready to move on, yeah. Yeah. And this one, similar to Raven and Tommy Dreamer, uh, also had things that shot off from it, right? We had the reconnection of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, right? When they reconnected here in Kansas City and they did that hug that ended SmackDown, you know? So there was other things that also went. And then the the subplot points between Sami Zayn and Jey Uso and their best friends. But are they really best friends? Well, no. Well, Paul Heyman's interactions yeah, with everybody. Yeah. 
yeah, Paul Heyman slithering through like the fat walrus that he is just all throughout this thing is awesome great as well. Um, and the other reason why I put it ahead of Raven, Tommy Dreamer, Sting and NWO, and you just can't deny it is like, look at the fucking crowds, right? Like the SummerSlam crowd that Sami Zayn hits Roman with the chair. I mean, there's like 50,000 people there. So you got to give the devil its due. So that's why I put it so high is, uh, the plot points were great. And the, yeah, the business the top too. All right. Like Number that. two, and again, geeking being, out over here. I'm being objective, being objective, because subjectively, this is my number one. And if I was ranking my subjective top five, this is probably one, two, and three. And then we start with the rest of the countdown. I fucking love this story so goddamn much that I think about it sometimes and just write fun things about it. I'm just like, I love it so much. Damn, you remember this? So draw fucking fan great. art about this. <laughs> I wish I could. If I could do art, I would do fan art about this every fucking day. And it is the feud between Chicago made punk mm. and M J. So good. It was the good fucking stuff. start of it. Where just CM Punk is like, I'm not shaking your hand, you cocky asshole. To then the origin story of MJF and the reason why he feels so hurt by CM Punk. The real life situation of, you heard a lot of people. It wasn't just MJF here, you know? Well, we say this a lot about MJF, about that. Like how he uses a lot of that passing and we get these origin stories. But, like, that was kind of the tipping off point for a lot of that, right? We didn't get a mm -hmm. whole lot of that before, right? This is one of the first where we were like, oh, we're seeing behind the armor here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was, you know, they always say voice of the voiceless for CM Punk. And to his credit, CM Punk did very well in the storyline as well. But it was mainly an MJF storyline, if we're being honest. But MJF spoke to a certain segment of the audience who was like, why the fuck did you leave, Punk? You were the person that I was looking to when I was being bullied in high school or whatever it was, right? And then when you just, you know, picked up your ball and went home, that hurt me. And now that you're back, we're not just going to accept you because that was kind of what MJF was saying. There was like, you can't just walk into a W and then we're all just cool with it. Fuck that. And, and to veer slightly off topic to try to stay on topic. Um, you know, there's a big, you know, online war of this, like WWE only fans and AW only fans. And, and what I don't understand is like, all right. So if you just, if you watched all of that, the MJF CM Punk, storyline and you thought this isn't for me i don't like it and you don't like it that's fine but like i don't think you could right if you watch it objectively for a storyline i think it was a top you know level storyline mm -hmm. and it's a thing that doesn't happen over there right in wwe so if wwe brought in cm punk and they're like we're, we're running cm punk returns he's gonna be up there against the seth rollins and the romans like there's not a person over there that could be like oh my god guys i have tweets that show like that I gave up wrestling when CM Punk mm -hmm. thing. Like we should do a storyline about that. They'd be like, "Beat it, kid! You're well, on, you're on main event tonight, right?" Like it just wouldn't happen, right? Like so, the ability for when you have a number two that operates this way to put this storyline out there, right? Like MJF was a bit like he was rising, but he wasn't this like he's the next star commodity quite yet. And man, mm -hmm. they hit homers with this storyline. 
Yeah, and the other thing to to talk about your point with like what they would do in WWE is they have tried certain things, but what they do is they just hit you over the head with it without advancing anything. For example, most recently, Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor. Did you know that at SummerSlam, Finn Balor was injured by Seth Rollins and he had to give up his title? He's mad. And then they just said that same fucking thing for five weeks and then did the match. He lost. <laughs> and then they did it again. He lost again. <laughs> and then we moved on. That's the difference is with this. Yeah, there's never any like changing or twisting to the story. It's always like, here's guy number one. Here's why guy number two is mad at him. And we're going to mm-hmm. fight for eight weeks and keep reminding you why they're mad at each other when none of that ever changed. Like there was no yeah. like this action led to this one that led to this one nope. that led to this one. It's just right. Here's the reason. Let's go for the next three months. Like Okay. And another reason why I put this one so high is very similar to the other things I'm talking about here with Sting versus the NWO. And then you got offshoots, Raven and Tommy Dreamer. And then you get offshoots with MJF and CM Punk. The offshoot was now, unfortunately, maybe real or not, whatever may happen. But the offshoot was MJF and Wardlow, right? Wardlow then yeah. is going to be the fucking guy because the payoff at the very end was Wardlow going, oh, that diamond ring. This is where it is. Here you go, punk. And then just yeah. walking off, right? The and- Yeah, the the like the leaving that and the, you know, we talk about this all the time, like AW misses the shot, but this feels like again, somebody's brainchild, MJFC and Punk, whomever it was, right, was like, This is the spot we're doing. You need to zone it, you know what I mean? Zoom in at mm-hmm. this point. The thing's gonna be here. It's like those attentions attention to detail. Yeah. Was amazing for that. Yeah. Now, obviously this story could have been told again apparently you know if if there wasn't for press conferences which i still don't under fucking stand why we do that in a television show but if someone didn't fucking get all upset and then their feelings at the end of all out that we were at in chicago it ended with mjf looking at champion cm punk and we were gonna run this shit back you possibly know, you got high but, muffins yeah what happens. but Regardless of that, if you just excuse that out of your mind, right? The night of All Out, even the event for CM Punk and MJF, just say that that never happened. This story is still number two for me. It's number one for me, but number two on my list because of all the things they hit on. So, like, yeah, if instead of the muffins and the press conference, if we would have gave CM Punk two trammies and two eddies and just let him go to sleep. And some everything ice packs. Everything would have and, been great. And some yeah. ice packs and everything would have been amazing. And we could have continued this story, right? Like, we could have kept going and expanded the story. Like, and then we could have got, like, and then we got to the threesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But exactly. we didn't get to get there because he fucking got on a, on a muffin high. God, Jesus. You know, fucking ruined it. Fucking ruined it, muffins. Ruined it. Ruined it. Ruined it. Ruined Hopefully it. Opens all right, so what shop. is the number one greatest storyline of all time we know tom thinks it's the one we just talked about but yeah number one i i don't know how you could disagree with it again objectively because unlike the previous four this one is one that i feel like you could play to any casual any non-wrestling fan and be like oh yeah no i've got someone like that fuck that guy it's stone cold steve austin and vince mcmahon Austin McMahon, yeah. Yeah. Uh, as you said, because every person 
almost unilaterally hates their boss. If they don't hate their boss, they hate their boss's boss. Exactly. Right? And like, yeah. we get it. We understand. And we've all wanted to punch him, and we can't. And Steve mm-hmm. Austin made it so we could. We got to live vicariously through him. And to his credit, even though he is a sexual predator, the character of Mr. McMahon was so good. He is. Fuck him. Uh, is so good at Allegedly. being the villain. No, he is. He paid people off. That's a mission of guilt. Fuck you. Um, not you, Vince. Uh, I know he watches. Yeah. <laughs> not you, but you, Vince. You, you know who you are. Yeah. But like the plot points again, because this also, you could argue, was kind of repetitive, right? Show up, stunner, leave. Show up, stunner, leave. Okay. But there was all of this. Well, now Stone Cold Steve Austin owns the WWE because Linda gave him some shares. Well, then he lost that in a St. Valentine's Day cage match where fucking Paul White and Big Show appears. And who the fuck is that guy? And then here's Triple H, and he's the fucking guy that will wrestle on behalf of Vince. But before that, it was The Rock, and he's going to wrestle, you know. It was like using Russo as a sounding board than being like, all right, you're crazy, but I can steal this idea of it, right? And, and yeah. Ferreira and all that. Like the unchecked mm-hmm. power of those guys when they left for WCW ruined it. But like it was him stealing basically McMahon, like just gathering all the best ideas for a wild, zany world that these characters lived in. And it just worked so great. Vince McMahon was the cartoon ivory tower boss, mm-hmm. and Stone Cold was the cliche working man right yep fill in the blank blue collar guy from anywhere in the country and it just worked and another thing which which again i think is is very valuable to a story was the other things that come along with it this is where we got mr Sacco. remember mankind <laughs> was trying to cheer up vince mcmahon in a fucking hospital and goes it's mr Sacco," <laughs> and we got that guy the rock's character of being you know how he is was, well, was in this you know so I will argue, side note, when everyone talks about Mount Rushmore's and all of that kind of stuff, I get it. Rock from 2000 to 2002 was the fucking man. No one could tell him or tell anyone else any fucking different. Everything before that was Vince McMahon and he needed a wrestler. So it's the rock. And I will stand by that. I'm not saying that the nation stuff wasn't good, but that was mid card, right? So when you're talking about like, the six-year run, and for, don't forget that, it was six years, the six-year run of The Rock, three and a half you to four years, like the Rock was just is, The Rock is to wrestling to me what 50 Cent was to hip-hop. For that six-year run, that's a good fucking analogy. worldwide iconic. Everybody uh-huh. in the world knew the name The Rock and the 50 Cent, and like they epitomized hip-hop or pro wrestling, right? Like. Mm-hmm. But outside of that run, not a whole lot of like influence, not even I want to say influence, but like substance attribute, like, like contributions to it outside of going like, remember that time? And it was like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I still remember that time. It's still fun to like, you know what I mean? But it's like, but what, what else? And they're like, oh, nothing else. Same shit, same stuff. Yeah. (laughs) And to your point, like, you know, just like you can put on many men. And be like, that was cool. But then, like, you're not going to go back and watch Get Rich or Die trying the movie. You know what I mean? Um, Nope. But, like, that song is great. For a blip in time, World had lightning in a bottle. 
But then yeah. after that, like, you know what I mean? Like, we remember that. Like, it's like, man, nobody could touch that, dude. Mm-hmm. Then. Yeah, but there wasn't a lot of, like, you know, obviously he had some iconic matches, but there was no real, like, you know, five-star classic that he had. I mean, people will argue mm. WrestleMania 17. I think that match kind of sucks. Um, but, yeah, that's a great one. 50 Cent. Yeah, the, the Hogan. Very, so, mm-hmm. Rock. Yeah. yeah. And even to go a little bit farther on that, to, to take it to what I was trying to say, 50 Cent had Eminem to be like, who the fuck is that guy? Oh, it's Eminem's best friend. Okay. And like what I was saying, Vince McMahon had, well, I can't wrestle every week, so it's The Rock. And then we're going to do that. So in our chat right now, Jeffrey Sills is a little bit shocked that the Hangman storyline didn't make your top five list. Well, I don't think it's over, first off. And second, it was a lot of- Okay, Triple of- H with Cody Rhodes. Right. Story's yeah. not over. <laughs> well, but what I think with Hangman that does it a little bit of a disservice is you had to know or be really plugged in to catch the details, right? So there'd be, you know, for example, if you watch BTE, Brody Lee was trying to recruit yeah. Hangman. And that's actually how him and the Dark Order became friends. But like, if you're not watching BTE, you don't fucking know that. And then if you don't know that the Young Bucks and Hangman were in Bullet Club and Ring of Honor, then you're not going to catch the details of the side looks and the we're disappointed in you and yeah. you're just our lackey kind of yeah. guy. So there's that. If you, you know? Yeah, if you don't know what we did the last several weeks, it's hard for you to know how we got to and then we got the threesome, right? So like right. you gotta you gotta be mm-hmm. you know tuned in. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, because there is a certain aspect that I definitely appreciate. For example, with the Firefly Funhouse, where it's like I'm a pro wrestling fan and I was rewarded with that's good shit or John Cena coming out in NWO shirt and I understanding what that means, right? Like that that's important to a wrestling yeah. fan. And I still think that that is an all-time to match, a wrestling right? fan. Yeah. That's an all-time match because of that. Yeah. But to an outsider, yeah. they're like, that was fucking weird, dude. You like this? And like, yeah. And like, well, I don't right. get where, why aren't they wrestling in a ring? And you're like, well, fucking, you know? And so with hangman, even though again, cowboy shit, 24, seven, fuck what you heard can't put it over those other ones because there was just so many things. Well, no, that's the gangbang club. You know? Yeah. He just throws it. Yeah. But with hangman. Cause again, if you know, right. If I know the intricate details of bullet club and the start of AEW and the, you know, all of that, mm-hmm. It may be a better story, right, than some of those that I mentioned. But if you just say, play it, just play it, right? Five years from now, play it. What we saw on Dynamite, at the BT and all the other stuff, play it. Some of it might get lost on you where you're like, true. Why, why is he so well, that? So that's Jeffrey Sills in the chat says, I only know about the Hangman story because of YouTube vids about the Hangman storyline. My introduction to Hangman was the title match with Kenny. So, yeah. Um, great match, of course, but even if you went to watch back and watch week to week, some of it might get lost on you if you didn't go mm-hmm. watch the whole back four years, even or right. even from before. 
Yeah. And that's not to take away anything that they did. The Stay Puff Man, where Hangman fucking uncovered, remember? And it was just fucking beating up the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega in the Stay Puff outfit. That was great. Uh, you also had... Um, obviously when the young bucks kicked uh hangman to the curb and the beer yeah. and then the shattered glass and him looking at it well and him at the bar the- during the um what was even the stadium stampede like we had this like hangman residual like drinky sad guy for yeah a while well, and, of all this and then his story with the dark order where they're like be in our group and he's like no and then they like threw fireworks up and they're like, he said yes oh no no put that down put that down and he's like yeah guys. one of the sad you know? things i got and i think it's it the time has passed and i don't know that we can get back there was more leaning into that hangman's on again off again like i'm a little too cool but i like these guys friendship oh. with the dark order like we could have gone mm-hmm. so many ways if we needed to turn hangman heel that was the way for one mm-hmm. And I just don't know. I mean, maybe we could get back there for that sometime, but like, I think it would take so much work that I feel like we missed the boat on so many potential good storylines with that one, the hangman in the dark order. Yeah. Yeah. There's there. Yeah. There was meat on the bone for sure. But yeah, to your point, uh, it's probably uh, too cold to go back to and then get into it. But that was Tom's top five list, man. Sting and NWO, Raven and Tommy Dreamer, and then we get the threesome. The Bloodline, CM Punk and MJF, Austin McMahon, top five greatest storylines of all time. Do you agree? Do you disagree? If you disagree, as Tom said, sucks to be you. But if you agree or you disagree, you can share your thoughts with us. You can do it live during our YouTube chats, during the shows. You can hit us up on Twitter using hashtag Tweet the Table. But I got to be honest. Nobody's done that in a while, and we might just be navigating away from Twitter. They're planning on charging people at some point, so maybe don't do that. Hit us up, tableshow at gmail.com, or find us through various other social media channels. You can contact us through various methods. Check out SpanishNounceTable.net for all of your needs in that regard, especially if you want to click the link that says buy our t-shirt, which will take you to Pro Wrestling Tees, where you can buy a Spanish Nouns Table shirt and support us or you can just donate via the paypal or the cash app that's up there if you don't want to buy a shirt because you're like i got too many fucking shirts and beer sponsor of the week these guys but i want to give these guys some money and let them buy some beers you can be our beer sponsor of the week right so tom we're already an hour into this show so let's talk about aew dynamite because aew dynamite was last night and it was fun i thought it was good what was your overall thoughts before we break it down loved it i loved it i thought it was so much fun i thought honestly uh, thinking back to it, there was a lot more promos than I could remember in an AEW Dynamite mm, episode, yeah. but I didn't hate it at all. So let's kick it off. It started with a match, and it started with man, the Weirds Mobile matchup machine. It spit out Penta El Zero Miedo, Penta versus Jay White, because that's the embarrassment of riches we have where we could just do yeah. Jay White versus Pinta because fuck it. Why not? You For, know what I mean? No booking. Just like, let's, let's yeah. throw these guys out. Yeah, yeah right. sure. Yeah. So yeah, we, we get the match to kick off uh, the show. Uh, Jay White gets the victory after Juice Robinson hits his left hand of God with the <sighs> TJ Maxx or, you know, fake ass ring or whatever he's calling it. Uh, and so Jay White picks up the what win as he should have. Zirconium, yeah, <laughs> something, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, what did you think of the opening match between Penta and Jay White? Fine, right? Again, look, we're building the Bullet Club up, right? This bang bang gang right now because they're in the main storyline and this all fit. And I mean, as you said, like 
that's going to be a firecracker of a match. Just saying it, everybody understands, and they delivered, and I thought it was great. Um, if I were booking this, here, let me grab my pencil or pen here. Uh, jumping ahead, the main event was what Juice Robinson was referring to as far as the uh, battle royal to then yes. get a match with MJF for the diamond ring. I would have flipped these matches. I would have had Juice Robinson win the battle royal to start the night. And then the end of the night, it's Pinta versus Jay White. Juice Robinson hits him with the ring. And then they say, I'm coming for the real one. You could still have MJF on commentary and still do all the same things that you did. But it kind of felt like after this, when the gangbang group uh, cuts their promo, you go, well, we know who's winning. Right. It yeah, kind of made the main exactly. event anticlimactic because you're yeah. like, well, then Juice has got this one. Yeah. Jeffrey Sills in the chat says, I loved all the people with eyes on the triple B. Yeah. So that's one theme that we'll get to. So uh, right from the jump, we get Jay White, who has the belt in his possession and Juice Robinson talking about the diamond ring that MJF has and them essentially saying as a group, we're taking everything that you have you you love yep and we're gonna fucking laugh as you you know burn to the ground so that's how we kicked off the show we then go backstage with um renee paquette and mjf is being interviewed and i loved instantly what he said he goes i could have been like a dumbass baby face that always runs down there one against four and then got my ass kicked but i'm not (laughs) stupid you know and so yeah. thought that was a really cool way to just kick off the promo of like, well, why weren't you out there? Cause I'm not a fucking idiot. Okay. Cause he's like, I'm not a baby face. I'm a scumbag. And you're like, Oh yeah, you're great. You're so cool. You know? And then Tim Renee Pelquette says, Hey, what about Adam Cole? And MJF is like, Hey, I haven't heard from him. And then before he could even get the next sentence out, here comes the acclaimed and Max Caster is just fucking boy. He's swifty he's for this guy. Yeah, because it feels rapey. It feels it does. Really very rapey. rapey. It is very rapey, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it I liked it though for this moment because, like, again, it feels like he whatever he talked the acclaimed guys into it, and they're like, "All right, we got you, man. This is your boy. Like, we're gonna do this." And he shows up and he crosses the line. They're like, dude, too far, dude. Like, what are yeah. you like? Jesus Christ, we don't even want to do this. And now you're <laughs> like, I just love it. Yeah, what he was, he was like, that guy really is a scumbag. And he was like, yeah, but he's my scumbag, right? Even seeing that coming a mile away, I still couldn't help but smile, right? Like, Max Caster just looks like a, a schoolgirl in love, right? Just lost. Deer in the, in the headlights, lost. I think I would be more open that I shouldn't say I'm not open to it because I am very interested to see what the hell happens here. But I think I would be more grinning and oh, that's so silly if we didn't get the online presence of Max Caster where he's like, well, actually, the son of a bitch, I think I caught it and I'll have to watch it to verify myself here. But when MJF walks out, fast forward to the main event and he gets his pop right oh he also said in the promo he's like i'm not going out there and wasting my pop on getting my ass kicked by the bullet club gold like i'm not going to do that but fast forward when he goes to the end of the night and they announce him mjf he goes m j f and he does like the suck it thing Mm -hmm. 
They go to Max Caster, and Max Caster does a gesture where he does this, where he goes, <laughs> when he's doing the suck it thing, it's like, bro, if this was a man and a woman, some activist groups might be going after you it right now. It would be. It's rapey. It's a little rapey. Yeah. I agree with you. It is rapey. So, I'm very interested where we go with it. It's a, it's a unique wild card to this greater storyline of MJF versus Jay White slash the Bang Bang Gang, right? It is a very unique wild card, right? Like, it kind of, it's involving MJF and his attempt to battle this group, but the 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 acclaimed and the Bang Bang Gang have not had any, any scuffle, yeah. right? There's no kerfluffle yet here between these two. I want to point out to the chat, we got Cool Cam in the chat. He says, does Switchblade win the belt or does Max retain? Now, we, of course, when the time comes, we'll make picks the week before so that I can win this time and make Tom wear a Jeff Jarrett shirt for a change. Um, yeah, that but, ain't going to happen. Yeah, right. But uh, your initial thoughts right now, is MJF still the champion at the end of this? Fuck yeah. Look. It better be. I Man, I, I don't think, want anybody beating MJF for 20 years right now. <laughs> well, there's one guy that I that I want to beat MJF, and we'll get to that when the time comes. Um, but – I think there is a ton hmm. of truth. I know who you want to be. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there is a ton of truth to the promo from MJF. Now, again, is the punchline great calling him tofu? No. Is the substance of what he's saying true? Well, but much like tofu, yeah. it under delivers for being of mild substance, which is kind of what right. the line was. Like it was mild substance. Right. It was dead on. He is tofu. But yep. that line felt kind of bland. But that's what fucking tofu is. It's bland, but it's fine. It's like, okay, fine, it works. Yeah, and, and I think there's a lot of <laughs> I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I think maybe it wasn't just MJF who came up with, man, this guy's kind of bland. I think maybe it was a decision maker who might be the son of a billionaire who might think the same thing. I don't know. That's just my personal feelings. Huh? Oh, Cool Cam says, yeah, I swerve when I drive. Well, oh. look, look, side note, we'll get, and I know we're going long here, so we'll kind of speed through some yeah, of this here. It's our show. But, um, yeah, our I know, but, you know, also, there's Thursday Night Football. We got to watch some things here. Um, Look, AEW is my favorite promotion, and I love it. It's my favorite yeah. thing. Yeah. However, it is a glaring indictment mm. that four years into the promotion's history tim of to current date even like to current like date four years from 74 to 78 right yeah yeah but tim there hasn't even been a black man to have a pay-per-view match for the championship yeah for the title yeah not that yeah, even you were thinking Eddie it. Kingston, but Swerve is probably the number two on that list of who you want to beat MJF. You were thinking Eddie Kingston, but if oh, there no, was a number two, it's Swerve Strickland, I'm sure. Yeah. If there was a number two, yeah, if I were to rank my Christian top Cage. three. Right. <laughs> well, no, if I were to rank my top three, okay. it would be it would be Eddie Kingston, Adam Cole. Mm, no, it would Adam be Cole. Eddie. Yeah, it would be Eddie Kingston because of the current storyline. Yes, that's not the whole. Of yeah, Adam I don't. Cole. Right. Yeah. I mean, Adam Cole's fun. I'm not trying to say yeah. like again to get exposure, putting him on 
good morning America and him doing that. I'm cool. And showing everyone fucking yell makes him look like a bigger star. But my top three would be uh, Eddie Kingston swerve. And then current storyline, Adam Cole breaks his heart. That is fucking money there. Okay. Um, but okay. So let's get into it. And Tim, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but the Excel spreadsheet was fucked up because <laughs> next up, we get a women's match. It's time for the women. Yeah. <laughs> in the first hour? Yeah, what the first hour. Tony? A high-profile women's match. In the I know. What happened to yeah. Tony Khan's Excel spreadsheet? That always goes before the main event. Yeah, hold Man. on. Yeah, C2 is supposed to be an H3. What's going on here? <laughs> I mean, what the hell? Now, it's Hikaru Shida, champion, taking on her teacher, Emi Sakurai. I will give yeah. credit to, to AEW in this regard. They gave us a video package before yes. the match. They, they have not done that a lot of the time in their history. So credit to baby steps going right. in the right direction. And even to this, I think, again, if you followed and you knew and you've been following, you know, the online stuff for a while, we knew that of Emmy Sakura, that she was a bit of the trainer for a lot of these folks, was sort of the mentor and the thing. And that's why she gets in a lot of these matches and stuff like that and the profile things. So, like, we knew that, but they had never really said that. To some extent, if you never, if you were just a casual viewer, you probably wondered why this Emmy Sakura girl was around. She was never really involved in a storyline, never said a word. Like, now they Born at least ball. finally addressed, like, she's, you know, she's the natty, essentially, of, of this group, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, and she's a cornball. She does this, like, we will rock you thing. She wears a queen thing, but she's, she's not Freddie a Mercury, queen. but she's a queen. But but Freddie yeah. Mercury was a queen, but you know what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so it's all weird. And also, I think here's here's where they miss. So Hikaru Shida beats Emi Sakurai. I think no one thought that sure. that was going to be, yeah. you know, a, an upset. Never a doubt. But this is where they, they mess up. And again, if I could talk to Tony Khan or whoever it is, Christopher Daniels, Kenny Omega, whoever's in charge of the women's division is even with the TNT championship, fucking put the next thing in front of me, right? So Hikaru Shida beats Emi Sakurai, put Ruby Soho out there and says, Hey, you beat my best friend. I'm going to get revenge for her. She has an injury. So it's on me to get the title back for the outcast next week. And you go, okay, well, now we have a match to look forward to next week. We know Hikaru Shida is going to win it, but at least there's a story for next week's title match when it's Hikaru Shida versus uh, Ruby Soho. Instead, what they do is they'll put on Hikaru Shida versus Ruby Soho three weeks from now and say, hey, don't you remember on Tuesday that one Tuesday show where Hikaru Shida beat Soraya? Well, this is Soraya's friend. And you're like, Bro, what the fuck? This is like the laziest way to tell a story. So that's the thing that they need to do is when you do a women's segment, the next, we got to keep the ball rolling. We can't do this start, stop, start, stop. Because like right. Chris Statlander, for example, I think Chris Statlander is money. I think she's yeah. great. But now we'll, you know, jump ahead just a little bit, but yeah. she does a backstage segment. Yeah, we hear segment. from her later. Yeah. Yeah. And where she's just like, well, I, I guess I'm going to give a shot to... Uh, Willow Nightingale. Which sucks like, because again we're jumping ahead, but like that was one of the best promos I've heard her deliver. Like, yeah, from like a like she didn't fumble anything. It was well coordinated. It sounded like natural speaking. Like it felt mm -hmm. real, mm -hmm. but it was kind of about nothing. <laughs> you know, yeah, it was just, it was just damn it. My, my pal damn gets it. a shot. That's her best that, work, and it was for nothing. Yeah, yeah. 
So that's the thing that they need to get fucking on top of is you gotta keep the ball rolling. Just like Tony Khan's attention span, we can't fucking stop. We so gotta have that. the next thing. It's clear like he's got like, okay, these are my main storylines and where are we drive and we're driving all that, but that attention isn't being paid, it feels like, to uh or any or enough women's storylines or you know yeah, or and, even other you know, aspects of diversity in that regard. Well definitely and you know I, I've read and I take everything that I read online with a little grain of salt, but I've read that the person behind the women's division, as far as match quality and all of that kind of thing is Kenny Omega. And so I feel like, well then Kenny Omega, you should fucking know how stories work. Let's keep it going here. You know what I mean? Tom, everything what? on the internet is true. Well, yeah. And so that's why if, I, if something says it's pro wrestling's best podcast, it's I mean, pro wrestling's best podcast. Yeah, yeah. 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 Batista believes that. Blue Tista yeah, thinks Batista that's a 100% effect. Yeah. And Blue yeah. Tista, as we discussed uh, offline between each other, Blue Tista is the best Tista. Yes, 100%. That's why he's the only Tista I got. I don't got Batista yeah. yeah. so Evolution Tista. zone over here. Yeah, yeah. Blue, Blue Tista, Tista right or no Tista, you know what I mean? I hear you. Blue uh, Tista or right. who Tista? So let's uh, let's move on from there. So again, Hikaru Shida beats Emi Sakurai. She is still your champion. And we go right into a sit-down interview with Renee Paquette and Adam Copeland. And I thought this was super cool. I'm being serious, too. I thought it was so interesting for Adam Copeland to be like, I'm not going to fight my best friend. So stop fucking saying it. I'm not going to do it. Because, again, the pro wrestling trope is, oh, he he's hurting Darby. So I cross the up line. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, I, I know him better than anyone. So I'm going to get him in line. It was, you know what? He's being a fucking weirdo. Let's be honest. He's been a weirdo a lot of the times. I did also like the aspect of he would never have accomplished anything if I didn't do it first. I yeah. went to the wrestling school. I like this. Like, hey, listen, I never thought about this, but like now that I'm looking back and now that I saw he said, like, hey, man, I convinced you to stay. Like, you would have been gone. Like, you would have been, mm -hmm. like you said, working an IT job, wondering what if, yeah. if you didn't if ride my damn coattails all this way. Yeah. yeah. But then it transitioned into the, I'm not going to fight him. I don't want the team. I think the one thing he could have left out if he had a take two was the, I don't want the TNT championship. Yeah. You could have just said, I don't want to fight christian cage for the tnt championship for, yeah i don't want yeah. yeah i don't want to i don't want to wrestle him for the tnt championship like i'll if i win that it'll be a different time i'll beat somebody right. else for that yeah exactly yeah that could have been a little tweak but it, that's splitting hairs i did like though the we all know what's gonna happen nick wayne and luchasaurus are gonna kick him to the curb and you know what's gonna happen i'll be there to pick him up and you're like Dude, you're such a great friend, you fucking douche. <laughs> yeah, first of all, yeah. Like, okay, <laughs> just, once his inevitable demise comes, I'll be there to tell him I told you so. <laughs> like, is but isn't a that great a great friend? friend? Like, isn't that someone you want? You're like, oh man, I really need to pick me up. I can so go to here's what happens then, right? They do what he's foretelling because he guided it to happen. And now Ooh. he's there to pick him up and be like, you can join us, brother. Like a new judgment day almost, right? Like, we can show you the way. And Christian will be like, you fucking weirdo. I'm out of here, you fucking creep. And then, like, we still continue this. That's 
In fact, if that doesn't happen, I'm a little upset now. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I don't know mm-hmm. what will happen, but I, it, it was a it was a promo interview, whatever you want to call it, that was done in such a non-traditional way that I was interested throughout. Again, it didn't break the internet or there wasn't a one-liner There's that no I'm line. saying. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to name a podcast episode over it or anything like that, but it was fucking really good shit. It's good stuff. What kind of was good was next. Uh, we had Ryan Nemeth in the ring and oh. he tried to wrestle Wardlow. <sighs> and I get it. I, I like what we're doing with Wardlow where he doesn't necessarily pin anyone, but he beats him to a point where the ref has to fucking stop it. But that was one power bomb. That was one. You really shit on Ryan Nemeth there. Yeah. Well, he could have at least pinned him. Like, yeah, you know what a, I mean? What gets me here is we, then we get the interview, right? They're like, all right, what are you fucking doing, Wardlow, right? Was it Tony? It was Tony? Yeah, yeah Tony, it was Tony right. Yeah, we've got the, the, the picture up here. So he's uh, like, what's the deal? Why are you here? What's with the deal? Why are you upset? Why are you mad? And all he does is show that wrist that says MJF. And that bothers me because... Really? Here's why it bothers me. Because... Okay. uh. Wardlow doesn't need to be anywhere near MJF right now. He ain't fucking ready for that. Well, I don't think he is. Like, I I think we may get a roadblock in that way, right? I think someone, the way I think this is going to happen, and I have no, you know, insight or anything like that, I think we're going to get maybe three or four more weeks of powerbomb, 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 right? And then you're going to get a guy like maybe Don Callis, someone in that, realm maybe a jay white maybe a christian cage someone like that right and they walk up and they're like hey man Doesn't Wardlow you know? have a dead father yes well christian cage can be that father figure right so someone i mean christian cage now that you said that out loud is probably the best pick but in my head i was honestly thinking of um uh, uh don Callis. that's what i initially yeah. thought of but I think there's going to be someone to be like, you know how to fast track your way to get to MJF. You join up with us and we'll go get that guy. And then he goes, I don't need you. And he goes, well, if you don't need us, then you're against us. And now we've got something to distract Wardlow or, while MJF is doing some other shit. Or, or at some point do we get there's – Everything's coming to a head. The MJF, Adam Cole, the the fucking kingdom, all of that's coming to a head. And just when we think all the double turns and the crisscrossing, who's on what side, MJF heals everybody out because he had Warlow ready to go to come in and start giving people some undercuts. And his, I'm here because MJF was like, I'm here to help MJF, not I'm here after MJF. Yeah, he was, the best time I had in my career was when I was his bodyguard, so we're going back. Like, I told you I was here. MJF, he told me to come back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I I do think, though, yeah, my gut still says that we're not going right after this pay-per-view to whatever the next pay-per-view is, and it's MJF Wardlow. I think there's something else. But we also got Wardlow made sure on his way out to shoulder check everybody's favorite uncle down. Uh, to the mat here with Tony Schiavone, and what's up with that? You don't hurt Tony, man. We gonna we're gonna have a discussion. Look here, Wardlow. Uh, if that is your up. real name, 
Well, here, put, put me on. Here, yeah, I'm gonna I got you on. Yep. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yep. Look here, Wardlow. You're lucky, you son of a bitch. That wasn't the Tuesday show in Independence because I would have jumped that guardrail and I would have hit you in your fat ass gut because you don't fucking touch Tony Schiavone. You hear me? You don't fucking touch him. And for you to fucking shoulder check him when he's just asking a question, you ugly haircut motherfucker, I'll get you. Don't touch him again. I'll get you. All right. So the next. Stern words. And I mean it. Next up, we get Kenny Omega backstage. And he says in an interview, uh, he goes, hey, I've been known for being great and all this stuff. So what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to beat Kyle Fletcher tonight. I'm going to take out this stupid ass Don Callis family. And then who knows? Might be going for that world championship the third person up until this point to mention that they're going to go after MJS championship. So then if you say his name, he's going to dance and MJF walks up. And I think, I don't know. Again, I don't have a good memory. I went through chemo, went through radiation. So my brain's kind of mushy right now, but I believe this may be the first time that we've seen MJF and Kenny Omega acknowledge each other on camera. Mm. You know what I mean? Dude, I did something what here. There? Yeah. I, yeah, look at that. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but it's showing up on our live stream. That's great. We're celebrating Kenny Omega. <laughs> I thought you did that on purpose. I was like, what is that? Yeah. See, you got to watch the live stream, you podcast listeners. Oh, I got me. I'm good. I'm still doing it. Okay, I got to stop. It's, do this. Do this with your fingers. See if you can do it. I wonder it. if it'll do it. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it's doing it. It's, it's a you thing. It's weird. <laughs> That's fun. They don't react that way when I use my fingers. What's different? What are you doing different than me? <laughs> I need notes. Oh, uh, yeah, I tell you. Well, I tell you. So they're never that happy when I do my two fingers that way. That's uh, weird, yeah. well, dude, oddly enough, this isn't the first time I've seen balloons after I've done this. So yeah. it's crazy. Um <laughs> why don't you have balloons? <laughs> So let's get back on track here. So MJF says, hey, it's nice to meet you, champion, Kenny. Right? And, you know, they're doing the interview. And then he leans in. He goes, 13 days, bitch. Which, if you don't know, is in 13 days, MJF will be the longest reigning AEW champion. And no longer will that title be held by Kenny Omega. Now, the interesting comment from this, I thought, wasn't the 13 days, bitch. It was Kenny Omega saying, we'll see about that. We'll see about that. We ain't got too many days. 13 days? Yeah. We got a collision. We got a dynamite. We got a rampage. So something. I don't know. Again, and this is another thing where we talk about how great it is that, like, he says, I'm a scumbag. Like, I'm not this, like, all of a sudden great guy. We're just, we're friendly now, right? Like, I'm being a little more open and we're all cool now. But, like, I'm still a scumbag. And this was a scumbag move. He comes up. He's like, you're the greatest. You respect. I respect. You're great. Handshake. Pull you in, bitch. Mm-hmm. Fucking taking well, your record. Well, because he's also a competitor, right? I won every title. Mm-hmm. I won every record. I won every title. So, fuck you. I'm beating your record. So, I kind of liked it. It made sense for, again, like you said, who he is. Yep. All right, Tim, now I got to get your um, feedback on this. We get a vignette, promo package, whatever you may call it. The Kingdom is Uh, with uh, Roderick Strong 
and Adam Cole, and they convince him to make yeah. a peanut butter and jelly. Oh, we've sandwich. gone too far. Now we have gone too far with this. We're running the gag too too long with no substance. This has gone on too long. Yeah, it was it was a it was a slight grin when uh, the bald guy from the kingdom was playing headstrong but singing neck strong. Yeah, the, right. Yeah, okay, yeah. cute. But the peanut butter jelly thing did not do anything to yeah. for me. And I then what? Care. Like, and then what did we get out of this? Like, where he's just like, I gotta go, man. Like, I gotta go get surgery. Well, so like, he, I'm... yeah, he's like, I finally yeah. have to go get surgery. But then uh, Roderick Strong says, I know what I have to do. I've got to be friends with this scumbag. So here's the interesting thing I think from this whole mm-hmm. storyline is, I, I guess. And maybe I I'm not reading something correctly, but like I don't know when this is taking place, right? So the peanut butter jelly sandwich thing is that happening on Wednesday, or did is this that lifetime, or was this several weeks ago? Yeah, right, several weeks ago. Because if it was several weeks ago, and Roderick Strong says, "I guess I got to be friends with this scumbag," well, then it makes sense that masked group of people who attack Jay White is them. But if it's we're out in a compound with a TV crew for whatever reason, and it's happening now, what the fuck? Yeah, so I... Yeah, what does it mean? Yeah, I'm a little perplexed on this, and I'm ready for it to be done with the kingdom next. Like, I'm ready for us to get to the next point. Yeah. Yeah, well, the thing that fucking sucks the worst is that, like, I think they were ready, but Adam Cole's injury from just jumping down. It's incredible how bad he hurt himself. From just jumping down five feet or whatever it was. That was insane. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Anyhow. So, yeah. Didn't hit well with me, but that's how we leave it. As Strong says, he's got to be friends with the scumbag. Uh, Next up, we get another promo, Tim. And this is the Don Callis family. And this was, in my opinion, the best promo from Powerhouse Hobbs that I think I've ever heard ever heard don Callis gets into the whole thing of jericho you piece of shit i'm still gonna kick your ass this is never done i'm gonna end you you know but then we hear from powerhouse hobbs and he says yeah fuck jer again i'm paraphrasing he goes yeah fuck jericho i went to a show Yeah. Yeah. yeah but he's like i went to a show and he told my grandma to sit down and for me to shut up and i didn't forget that and so i took his ass out in independence and so we get some like real reason of why he joined Don Callis. Don Callis fucking hates this guy. Powerhouse Hobbs has apparently always hated this guy. I hate that guy too. 20s. Yeah. So yeah, you know, let, let's team up and take this guy out. And the way Powerhouse Hobbs tells that is uh, maybe Jericho. This is you know reading this what also, you He felt impassioned. It felt real. It was like, man, is this did this happen? Like, is this real? Did he really? Yeah, I, I loved it. Yeah, I loved it a lot. I, I know this great. Yeah. Now we get that very good and passion promo from Hobbs. Then we transition into uh, Don Callis saying, hey, we've been kicking ass. We're awesome. Except for one fucking guy who fought on our behalf and he sucked. And his name is Kyle Fletcher. And Kyle Fletcher walks out. And he's like, you, blah, blah, blah. I'm a bad guy with a stupid haircut. And then he loses to uh, Kenny Omega, <laughs> right? Um, I did think uh, it was I funny, man. Like, uh, look, this—I know they're 
really into these Aussie Open guys. And Kyle Fletcher, they think, is a star. And, like, maybe someday he's going to be a big deal. But, like, yeah, they keep – I don't know. They're rolling this guy out a bunch. And I'm like, look, I know his guy – you know, his partner's hurt. But, like, I don't – maybe let's just give this guy a break. Let him go take some time off. I don't know. I wouldn't hate that. Again, I don't hate Kyle Fletcher. I think he's fine. Yeah. But I'm not tuning in for Kyle Fletcher matches, especially because – and this isn't necessarily his fault, but the way he's being booked is, well, I saw him lose to Jericho. I've seen him last night lose to Omega. I saw him lose the tag titles to Adam Cole and MJF who yeah. were wrestling against each other later that night. So it's <laughs> this like, this feels like you know, they're like, oh, top flight number two went down. It's time to to push top flight number one as a, as a singles guy. Like, you guys don't love mm-hmm. him? No? Fuck, I wonder why. <laughs> like, right. just, this is what this feels like. Yeah. Now, the thing that's interesting that he mentioned in the promo before he wrestled Kenny Omega was, hey, I got a phone call from Will Ospreay begging me to take this spot for you. Now we could get something interesting with Will Ospreay shows up and is like, hey, Don Callis, the fuck you uh, mean to my friends for? Because again, this is where like you peel back the onion, but Aussie Open is in a group with Jeff Cobb and Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay shows up and says, I'm out of the Don Callis family. Now we've got a civil war, if you want to call it, but we got Don Callis family versus United Empire. That could be something. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. To me, this did, it just felt weird. It was like, hey, we're mixing two things here, right? Like the Don Callis family, which I know has multiple things going on, but like, we had the Jericho focus. We had the Hobbs talking about that. And now we got Kyle Fletcher here talking about Kenny Omega. And it was like, ah, this is, you know, we got two things yeah. to focus on here. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm always a big fan of just chaos, right? I'm into this. I'm fighting this guy and you suck and all this stuff. Like I, I, I am a fan of that a little bit of the ADD pro wrestling. Yeah. Cause again, this is a better pro- backstage segment. I feel like. I agree. I agree. If, if he then walks out, Kyle Fletcher then walks out and then Kenny Omega walks out, it feels a little cleaner. Right. But then, yeah, he stays there, but then, uh, Takeshita and powerhouse Hobbs just walk out too, even though, uh, it's like, Kyle all right, we'll get you bitch or what? You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah, yeah it's okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we get this match, Kyle Fletcher, Kenny Omega. The thing that I love the most about it is the match was fine. And there were some fun spots with the V trigger and stuff like that. But uh, after Kyle Fletcher loses, Don Callis says, quit the business, kid. <laughs> like, he's like, fuck that guy. Yeah. It's so mean. Yeah, he was like, he sucks. Go go be a, yeah. I forget what he said. Yeah, he's like, go get a yeah, real job like, or something. <laughs> yeah, but he says, quit the business, kid. And I was like, good God. Anyhow. Good uh, so, yeah, after that, we get a quick promo package that Danhausen is coming back. Very, very nice. Very, very evil. Love it. Love it. I've been seeing these pop up and it warms my heart. Yep. So warms my cold, get, dead heart. We get Dan Housen coming back, friend of the show. Um, shit. Anyhow, I'll pick that up later. Uh, and then we move right into another squash match and we get the return of the murder hawk monster, Lance Archer. And I don't know about you, I'll get your feedback here, but I think my favorite thing about Lance Archer is how he beats up these jobbers. It's because it's not like Wardlow where he walks out, he does it. I I, I wrote this down. Uh, uh, what's his name? The the Jasper Napper guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Justin Roberts says he introduces him. I wrote this down as 
kicking his opponent, Barrett Brown, <laughs> to the ring. his opponent to the ring. Yeah, not dragging, kicking his opponent to the ring. Almost like he's like, Jesus, like he's annoyed that he has to announce for this guy. Like he won't just be professional. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, we get a squash match. Now, credit to Barrett Brown. He got more offense than Nemeth did earlier. One thing, going back to that match, though, that I was kind of hoping is – I was hoping Wardlow was really going to fuck up, right, Nemeth? And then the next week he fucks him up again, right? Nemeth is like, I want more shot. And he's like, fine, does it again. And then he goes, I got one more shot, but it's not with me. And then that's when Dolph Ziggler comes out and he's like, oh, shit. And that's again. (laughs) But that's again where we can then, okay, well, Wardlow is still MJF, but now he's got to wrestle this fucking guy at a pay-per-view, right? Like, So that could be the distraction. Twist him in a pretzel and put his foot up his butthole. Yeah. So anyhow, going back to Lance Archer, Barrett Brown, uh, Lance Archer wins. I think it was less than two minutes or something like that. Yeah. Um, Murder Hawk. Lance Archer. Everybody dies. Well, he still has the coolest moment, I think, in all squash. You asked last week. You were like, where the fuck's this guy been? I think it was his last week. And we were like, well, I love him. I think he's great. I think he's super. You want to talk about a Harley Davidson coming to life? It's fucking Lance Archer. Like he is the embodiment of 2023 Harley Davidson. Lance dragon. Archer is the human embodiment of the dragon head necklace that's clutching like a a crystal in its mouth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's yeah, what he is. yeah. Lance Archer's girlfriend definitely believes that Mercury is in retrograde. You know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, she has like eight. Um, piercings going down her tongue right yep yep 100%. 100%. 100% but i was gonna say he has the coolest moment though in all squash ma- squash matches is during the pandemic if you recall when he was in the locker room and he threw that motherfucker up through the ceiling remember that when he like took out yes. one of the ceilings it's like boom and then he dragged his ass he's like you ain't going anywhere <laughs> like he purposely was trying to do that too like yeah. he did an upward thrust throwing that guy <laughs> oh, yeah that's one of my favorite moments in AEW history loved it um all right and then we get a quick thing that on uh friday we get the music video for uh big pressure the remix prince nana and hang or in uh 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 jesus Swerve. christ what's it Swerve Strickland. what i was gonna say though is this was kind of a filler. Hey, watch Rampage for the video. But the comment at the end that Swerve Strickland says is, hey, Hangman, sometimes you're not the only one that has to pay for your sins. Yeah. Yeah. Who the fuck is Something like that, right? Like, yeah, you're not the yeah. only one who pays for your actions or something like that. You're yeah. Like, so, brother, who is it the Young after? Bucks? Who? Yeah, because... We haven't been introduced to anybody personal to Hangman that isn't a wrestler that we won't feel necessarily that mm-hmm. level of sympathy for, right? Like, if you take out the Young Bucks, we'll be like, all right, that's kind of cool. Um, you know what I mean? And then who else, right? Is he gonna? Is he gonna? Is he gonna fuck with a horse? Is he gonna fucking? Mean, oh, if he shot a horse, obviously not real. But if he shot yeah, a horse, yeah, right, that yeah. would be fucking cool. Um, yeah, what else? I can't believe Swerve Strickland shot a horse on my fucking team. <laughs> I mean, maybe Dark Order, right? Maybe he's like, I know you still have feelings for this group, so I'm gonna take out John Silver and Alex Reynolds or something. Yes, yeah, it'll be John Silver gets hung at like hung from his feet up over something like Suge Knight style, right? Yeah, possibly. I don't know. Yeah, I'm very interested to know what happens there. John Silver's going to get vanilla iced over a balcony. <laughs> good. Definitely good. 
Uh, all right, let's keep it moving here. Then we get an in-ring then chat. Then we get the threesome. All right. <laughs> we get the in-ring chat with the icon, Sting. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. So a lot to unpack here. One thing, though, that I will say, and it was brought up in our live chat at the very beginning, is, and I've said this before on the show, but if you're a new listener or new viewer, I'm going to tell you for the first time to you, but for, again, uh, old-time listeners, you're going to hear it once more. But I love, love the irony that we will fucking drag Hulk Hogan through the coals forever for his actions that he apologized for. And I'm not trying to say they're okay. Let me, let me on the front end say, I'm not condoning what he said. I'm not saying let's just fucking act like he never said it. Forget about it or whatever. Sure. Right. Yeah. Not saying that at all. However, he apologized. Other black wrestlers vouch for him in saying things of, He's personally uh, apologized to each re- of them. Yeah, yeah, remorse and things like that. And if you don't want to forgive them, that's cool. I'm not trying to argue that you should. Sure, of course not. What I am arguing is when we have fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin, who mm-hmm. beat multiple wives, mm-hmm. Ric Flair, who let's just be straight up and allegedly S- sexual predator. raped women. Yeah, sexual yeah. predator. And we, woo, and hell yeah, brother. Nah, man, we ain't doing this thing because everyone else tells me I shouldn't like Hulk Hogan and everyone loves to do the woo. So I guess I love to do the woo fucking uh-uh. be consistent, yeah. asshole. That's all I'm saying is if you're going to boo Hogan, which you totally should and totally can, then yeah. don't fucking come up to me going 16 times. Woo. Did you hear bad Bunny? <laughs> get a song with him? Yeah. Fuck you. You are a yeah. fucking coward. Cherry pick. Yeah. Cherry pick. And you're. And you're just following the trend, right? Because for a lesser degree, the IWC is telling you what to say, right? The IWC doesn't like Hulk Hogan, so fuck them. But the IWC likes Stone Cold. I give the black folks a pass. I understand them not liking him. Like, that's a different scenario. Yeah. Look, and I'm not saying change your mind. I'm not even saying anything like that. Of course. Yeah. I'm just saying, okay, but let's let's not act like sexual predators a fucking good thing. Or beating women is fine. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Yeah, that too? that's yeah. that's the only part where it's like, if you're gonna fucking boo Hogan, yeah. don't yeah. then fucking. But Sting, you know, and Sting tried to like. He was like, "Yeah, I get it," but like, you know, he did. Like, he tried to like give. You know, he's like, "Listen, hey, fucking." Yeah, yeah, he learned something. You're not wrong, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, yeah, personally for me, this is how he helped me, and I'm not going to act like it didn't happen. Again, Lex Luger, and I'm not trying to bring up skeletons in everyone's fucking closet, but Lex Luger was sitting right next to Miss Elizabeth when she OD'd and died in her in his home. Huh? Hmm? We cool yeah. with that? We cool with that? Because no one booed when he said Lex Luger, right? So that's all I'm saying. The other thing I was going to say, though, is Uh, This crowd, for as good as they were throughout the matches and the promo segments and stuff like that, I felt was riding Sting's ass the entire time. So, case in point, the booing of Hulk Hogan. And then when he's like, I want to say this in Texas, and they started chanting like Rosemary or Dallas or Houston or whatever. Yeah, and they were like Rosemont or whatever. Yeah. It's like, fuck off. 
right? Like, yeah. that's the most look at me, Louie thing that you could do. So I felt like the crowd was kind of a dick to him. But what'd you think about what he had to say? I thought it was weird uh, in a couple ways in that, like, there's obviously not a hard set of exact plans on what we're doing with Sting is going to retire, right? They even said Sting asked to address the crowd. Sting went out to address the crowd, and it feels like Sting was like, I'm going to wing it. I've got a few things I'm going to say. I'm going to wing it. And he didn't really wing it so well, right? Nobody's ever said Sting is the greatest thinking on his feet wordsmith, right? Like, he's not necessarily that guy. He's very heartfelt. He's very passionate, and he cares, and, and all of that. And that's kind of what we got there, right? And I liked it. Like, we didn't just force something where somebody's like, your career on the line, because it's things like, no, I'm making this choice. I'm going to retire. And it's not like today, my match, like, I'm going to say it's here. So we're going to have a little bit of a, you know, Sting's last run or whatever. And I get that. But like, it just felt a little bit of like a, I don't know what I'm supposed to say here now. And then the final line of like, I get what he's saying. Like, the last time I said this was the one thing for sure, best thing is nothing's for certain or nothing's for sure. But like, so this time. I'm saying the yeah. last thing, you know, it is like the, nothing's for sure, but like this is for sure. It was like, it was a pretty anticlimactic thing to say, right? And that's why the crowd was kind of like, <laughs> right? Like, we don't want that, right? Like, we don't like that, right? Like, yeah. like we want to support you, but we don't like that. <laughs> so it was yeah. weird, right? And you, I felt like he kind of, even if you watch it, like after he says it, he's kind of like, well, that didn't really go. That's not how I intended that to sound, right? Like, so it, yeah. just, it felt weird. I, luckily, that's not the moment I feel like that's going to live in history when we think no. about Sting's retirement. So I'm going to give it a pass. But it felt kind of like, well, okay, Sting, we'll see you there. <laughs> like, thanks for letting us know, I guess. Yeah. Well, and it's also another thing that's hard to get up for because it's a year from now. And yeah, yeah. And, and like, when you did The Rock, and John Cena, who said, let's main event WrestleMania next year. There was a handshake and an eye. Like, there was a something. But, like, who's he going to wrestle? Well, we don't and, know any of the yeah. details. And you know? to even that, it's like, okay, by last match, we'll be at Revolution 2024. Okay. You keep going around jumping off of some of these balconies. You might not make it there. And, therefore, we didn't get the last match. So, maybe don't let's not plan it out so far in advance. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, case in point, Adam Cole. Adam Cole just, again, like I said, jumped five feet from the entrance from the to the floor and shattered yeah. his fucking ankle. And he's in good you shape. Could, yeah, you could be getting out of bed in the hotel and roll your ankle tonight and never wrestle again. You know? Yeah, so... Yeah. Yeah, I think there Pulling, was a little bit. Pop that Achilles fucking plane's pickup ball and you're done. Yeah, there was a little bit of that. I, so let me, again, grab the pen, the pencil. Mm -hmm. The way I would have done this is a little bit different. I This is where I would have made it more shocking and more like, what the fuck just happened? Is I would have. So let's jump a little bit ahead and then I'll tell you my two cents. Is So after he does uh, this segment. We get Tony Storm's uh, latest silent film, which was way better than the first two because this had the the title cards, RJ City as Mr. Executive Man. I love this one. What did, did you, you catch did like the... No, I loved it. But did you catch the 
um, R-rated joke that they slid in there as well, where he was like, we're going to roll out the red carpet for you. We're going to get you this. We're going to get you that. We're going to get you a nice pearl necklace. And she was like, how fucking dare you? Oh, I yeah. Can't. And he was like, he was like, I meant the neck, like the jewelry. And she was like, oh, yeah. oh, sorry. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, right. guys, <laughs> like you're leaning into Woof. <laughs> like, well, good thing you did that in the picture in picture on a silent mm-hmm. video on commercial break. But I was like, yeah, whoa. Okay, loved guys. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Loved it. Well, and loved so, uh, again, I'll get back to my sting two cents with the next segment that happens here in a mm-hmm. little bit. But um, with this picture in picture, then he says, we're going to get you a butler. Dude, the butler has to be RJ City. It has to be oh, RJ the, City. Yes. It can't be anyone else. Yes. Like, I don't yes. want it to be Ruby Soho or sky yeah. blue or, you know, it's what not I mean? Belvedere from NWL, but I mean, that would be the number two solid number. Well, two. yeah, this I'm look, but he's busy. We see him winning championships yeah. and stuff. Right. Mr. Belvedere, he, he, he's busy, but yeah, yeah, yeah. RJ city has to be the fucking Butler. Like he's going to be the Butler. It's, it's going to be glove. so amazing. I hope so. I really do. This All is right. going to be some of the best comedy we've had in years coming from these two. If that's where we're going. I mean, they're so good together. I, I just think that that anyhow. So let's get to uh, the next thing that we see that actually has some audio. Uh, we get a sit down interview with Nick Wayne and his mom. And this was really good from his mom, which did they give her a name? I didn't catch it. No, I don't know. But this is one of my f- favorite segments on AW Dynamite in years. Even this whole thing was great. And yeah. Hey. Any reason we can get Nick Wayne's mom on TV more, I'm all for it. I'll just go ahead and say that now in as creepy way as I can. Like, I'm all yeah. for that as well. Like, more of that. But she nailed it, too. Like, she wasn't like, again, it's pro wrestling. The bar for good acting is low. But, like, she was hitting this. This was good stuff, man. I love yeah. this segment a lot. And, and she carried it because Nick Wayne didn't have to do necessarily a lot, right? Right. But I, some of the moments that I liked is before Christian Cage was I did like how, and I didn't write this part down where he says something about like, shut up mom or something like that. And JR yeah. is like, Hey, that's your mom. Like JR yeah. even was like the hell we do your kid. Yeah. yeah right. you know? So yeah. JR getting upset, I think added to a mom and son talking to each other. Yeah, he was like, Jesus, man, that's your party. mom. dog. Like right. he basically was like, bro. Yeah. And he respect. says, he says a lot of the same, you know, things that we heard previous weeks where he's like, uh, Christian Cage is a better dad than our dad was, which it's, it's her husband, not dad, but I get it anyhow. Yeah, um, yeah. and then it ends with, uh, Christian Cage walking up. He's like, you ready to come home, son? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and on the shoulder looming oh. over him, like. The camera work here is done. Yeah. And then she's like, no, no, don't do this. So whatever, right? Reach up and slaps him. And then he's like, what are, what are you doing? Like, you can't abuse him like that. Well, <laughs> yes. So but my favorite line from Christian was, so before the slap, right? So Christian's like, you ready to come home, son? And he's like, yeah. And so he gets up and she starts to say, like, what is going on? Like, what is happening? And he just says, should answer the phone? Yeah. Just like, I got yeah. Oh, that's the that's what i was saying i giggled at this episode i was like fucking christian cage is just he oh. is the worst thing to say at the worst fucking time in the worst place 
all the time. He's so good. Yeah. Now, besides, and credit to Christian Cage for this as a compliment that I'll try to give him here is outside of the go fuck yourself, which is awesome, awesome. Yeah. Do not change that ever. But he, but he has been saying the worst things at the exact yeah. worst time. That's like, just saying you should have answered your phone. Yeah. By face value, you're like, what's wrong? But like, you know. And you're like, motherfucker, that like, cuts what a deep. Dick. Yeah. 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 That cuts deep. That's worse than yeah. saying you're a bitch, right? Like, but, and that's what I mean. And credit to Nick Wayne's mom because she's like the horrors that you, it's like she sells it perfectly. And of course, it's been around pro wrestling long enough mm -hmm. to get but the deal. The, but, uh, but then the, the last thing that I liked, and again, this episode did a lot of great things with going against pro wrestling tropes. And case in point here is when she smacks him, she instantly regrets it. She's like, fuck, mm -hmm. I shouldn't have let my, but like pro wrestling would always tell you you're an ungrateful son pop. And then just stand mm -hmm. there like, you know, hands on shoulders. And I've I'm stood the up for pop. myself. Yeah. <laughs> but she's like yeah. smacking and like, fuck, which is look, I grew up in certain areas of, of independence where, uh, uh, kids hitting parents and parents hitting kids kind of happen just in front of you. Normal flora. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I've seen mothers hit their kid and have that reaction. We're like, fuck, I shouldn't have done that, but you don't understand. I always beat Becky's ass. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? And it's just like, fuck, I shouldn't have let my anger get a, uh, the best of me. So I like that about her is that seemed genuine. That seemed more authentic to how a mother might act smacking her son than the, I am so tough. Well, fuck off. Right. So, then we get uh, Christian Cage and Nick Wayne leave, and instantly we hear commotion. I didn't know what the fuck was happening. Door opens. Darby Allen is putting uh, feet to Beating asses. that ass. Yeah. yeah, it is. Boom, 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 boom. Quickly jumping ahead. I think legitimately broke Nick Wayne's tooth. <laughs> he did. I love that Christian capitalized on that because, again, they drag him out to the ring. They're all fighting. And then, like, he's like, what did you do to his tooth? What did you do to his tooth? Here's Nick Wayne legit suffering from, like, an actual tooth thing and doing his thing to, like, you know, sell it, right? Like, hey, yeah. I'm going to go get medicine. But, like, Christian, like, capitalizing on that and, like, just rubbing that salt in the wound. Like, we have that forever now on, like, video and audio where he's just like, what did you fucking do? <laughs> like, like, yeah. if – if the person who actually did that legitimately felt bad for making that mistake, peek behind the curtains. Now here's Christian just being like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Look yeah. at the thing you did. <laughs> Love yeah. it. So they spill out into the, the arena, right? The entrance yeah. ramp into uh -huh. the ring, right? Luchasaurus comes out and then Sting comes out and they clear the ring. And then we get that. This is yeah. where, again, if I had the pin, this is how I'm doing this segment. Right. I have this. I do the interview segment with Nick Wayne and his mother. I have Christian still say all the same things. The smack door shuts. Then, though, I go to the ring. And it's Darby Allen and Sting cutting a promo. Right. And Darby's like, we got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight. That was unacceptable. What Nick Wayne just did to his mother. His mother is a good person and all that. And then you just have Sting grab the microphone from Darby. He's like, yeah, we have something to talk about. I got something on my mind. And then not with the rambling of thanks to Flair, thanks to Hogan, all that stuff. Just straight gets to the point of 
hey, we've been running these roads for three years now. I ain't got much left in me. Next year, when my contract, and I don't even have him say this, when my contract's done, I'm done. And Darby Allen goes like, what the fuck? Like, what? Why'd you say and, that now? <laughs> yeah, like, what the fuck? And before he could be like, but Sting, then Christian, Nick Wayne, and Luchasaurus come out. We can then get the same finish, maybe not a broken tooth, but we get the same finish of they clear out the ring, and then we get whatever's happening next week. But then I think that's a little bit clearer where then Sting is like, because because what you could the the picture you could paint that I think is more compelling as from a storyline perspective is Sting is kind of like this motherfucking Darby is like always in it right like he's either wrestling luchasaurus yeah or he's fighting Chris. like yeah i'm 60 like, did you ever years. leave any of your problems in the past yeah. dog like yeah. a grudge forever yeah. man like you can't yeah. do this like, for I don't, 60 years where the fuck is that air fox motherfucker trying what to make a lifelong lying enemy out of fucking christian cage and luchasaurus man like i'm yeah. fucking done with it <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and obviously not like say those words but have him like with that attitude of like Hey man, this is fucking. You know, I've been doing this. Yeah, Yeah. I'm tired of this. You know, and then we can get to whatever happens. But I think that's a cleaner way of doing it than Texas is Texas. Yeah, okay, whatever. Listen, Um, whatever we got to do to get more Nick Wayne's mom, let's do it. I'm down. Yes, one (laughs) hundred percent. All right. So then after this, we get the uh segment we mentioned before with chris statlander saying willow nightingale at battle of the belts uh gets a title shot which Orange is where Cassidy, chris statlander will lose her tnt title i mean willow nightingale as your tnt champ is there's a Money. million worse things you could do than have her as your champ she is a godsend love her but um orange cassidy then also says hey i didn't realize like what this title meant to me until i lost it now i do realize what it means to me and i love it and again i'm paraphrasing my favorite part of this segment was was he's like trying he's like all right he's like there was this saying and um uh trying to think of it and chuck taylor in the back doesn't hear any clues while he's eating he's like oh it's you don't know what you have until it's gone he was like right yeah Mm. i love it well my favorite part (laughs) again if you just look at it and then understand what you're looking at is trent eating a fucking orange while orange cassidy cuts a fucking promo <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that was just hilarious that was just Love funny it, yeah. yeah and then hooks there which i tell you what you know we talked about ftr losing steam now he's grabbing chips again he's adding some more things to himself but we don't need Stalled. a tag team but it's just like he wins the FTW championship from Jack Perry. And even a little bit yep. before that, it's tag with Jack Perry, tag with RVD, tag with like he I know he's green. Team with right? Danhausen. Team, Team with, with Danhausen, yeah. yeah. I understand he's green. And you know, and I think the Danhausen thing at least served a purpose of like he's not a mean guy, he's a good guy, right? But like I think he can stand on his own. And not have to just be. Yeah, we could get a hook storyline now. Yep. Yeah, we don't always just have the next person stands next to hook is, you know, who Darby Allen, right? Like, yeah. The fuck and there is some like I get it. Like guys like Orange Cassidy and Hook would probably be cool with each other. They hang out. They're both chill, right? That makes sense. Right. So I don't hate yeah. it, right? Like it's it doesn't. It's the, not bizarre. Right. It's just the back to back to back. It's like yeah. It's what are this you? Is all yourself? Hook is now. Yeah. Yeah. And even before that, when we got introduced, he was in 
team Taz. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, mm-hmm. go out on your own, kid. You'll figure it out because you're cool. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens there. Uh, and then we get to the main event. We talked about it. The Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal. The thing that I will say about this, though, is Juice Robinson wins. And yeah. uh, we this was get, action uh, filled. Well, yeah, the, the end of it, right? The uh, We get Jay Wyatt attacks MJF. MJF then gets his title back, but then there's a low blow. Mm-hmm. The story of the Matt, oh, Matt distracts Max Caster, which then allows Juice Robinson to win the Battle Royal. Yeah. The other story, though, is like what you were saying is the Daniel Garcia and, uh-huh. uh, and Matt Menard, right? And going I somewhere with that. Going somewhere with that. Here's, though, what I noticed, Tim, and I'm going to read you some names here, okay? Dustin Rhodes. Dustin Rhodes. Johnny TV. Yep. Jake Hager. Hmm. Matt Seidel. Hmm. Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy. How old is this fucking roster? <laughs> like, yeah, and I thought the dynamite diamond ring like that was always sold to us as like one of those like almost the, the brass ring up. thing that they did. Right, yeah. Yeah, the next guy yeah. up is this. And it's like these old crusty bastards, I know none of them are gonna win. And like Yeah, Jake I Hager mean, ain't coming down to challenge for this. Like just I, Yeah, Matt Seidel isn't gonna fucking win anything. So look, yeah, you know, on one hand, here here's what I'm gonna say is there wasn't a lot of story to the end. Is you know, next week we get Juice Robinson versus MJF, right? And the thing that I kind of checked out on is when I noticed everyone around the ring, I was like, these old fucks, I don't am not really that interested in it. And I kind of knew Juice Robinson was going to win. So I was like, what other stories? And to your credit, the Daniel Garcia, Matt, yeah, yeah. School, uh-huh. yeah. but here's the, here's the double-edged sword for AEW. In my opinion, on one hand, it's great to go to AEW because you're not 300 days of, on the road, right? You, you get to rest, get to recharge, you get to then go next Wednesday or Saturday and do your shit, yep. right? On the other hand, you got a lot of people like before Jade Cargill, Hook, uh, even I know he's more advanced than those two, but Daniel Garcia, right? These emerging stars, and they need reps with veterans like Sidel, Johnny TV, and all of that. But that's not Adam TV Copeland. time. Yeah, but that's not <laughs> yeah. TV time. You know what I mean? Like, Seidel, Hardys, Jake Hager, uh, Johnny TV. Those motherfuckers are, are white noise. Like, they're not going to do anything. Now, right, we could replay this. And, oh, my God, did you know the great storyline with Jeff Hardy? Uh, but what I'm getting at is, like, phase these motherfuckers out. But you really can't because then Hook can't wrestle uh who am i thinking jack perry every Matt fucking Taven. week they, right yeah. yeah and they get, yeah. get and they get better together you know what i mean like they need a veteran but it's, so it's like this is the reason why they may need house shows but if then you say we're also on the road 300 days a year an adam copeland might be you lose like, some of your appeal yeah well yeah adam copeland might be like Ah oh, man, I really love those WrestleMania crowds. I think if yeah, both da- dates yeah. are the same, I'm gonna stay here at WWE. You know what I mean? Yeah, so right, merch is a little bigger over there. You know, like yeah, merch sales yeah. a little higher over there. Yeah, no, I understood. Yeah, I am. Um, 
Yeah, I thought this was, again, action match. We knew where this was going. I, I never thought anybody but Juice Robinson was winning this thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, of, of course. It's just the one thing that I just noticed. I was just like, man, all these old mo- And look, we've said it. I'm going to say it again because I'm going to say it until they fucking stop it. You can't tell me one last ride. And Dustin Rhodes has been saying that for four fucking years, brother. Get four on years, and get. One last ride, yeah. Your fucking rides take five years, dog. Well, like, um, ride that shit to the ocean, and when you get, don't stop. Like, fucking. Stop. Keep on riding, you know? dog. Yeah. Keep riding sunset that is that ocean. way. <laughs> sunset yeah. is that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dynamite, though, was fun. I think overall, I think Love we had it. some good stuff. I'm excited where these storylines are going. We forgot to talk on something, Tom. We said earlier that we love fan interaction and we love when fans contact us and talk to us through this show. Yes, And we told of many ways to do this. And another way that we forgot to tell you about is you can hop on the Spanish announce voice machine, uh, the answering machine, if you will. And you can send us a, an MP3, you can send us an MP4 if you want to table show at gmail.com. I'm not guaranteeing you I'm playing everything you send me. Uh, we're going to screen for sometimes here and see what's going on, but we've got a call from, one of the longest-running fans of this show, Ash Hendricks. Are you ready for this, Tom? Family. He has family to the Spanish yeah, he is family. I he am ready. Yeah. I am ready. Here we go. Let's hear it. Here we go. What's up, boys? It's Ash. It's good to be back uh, in the uh, table voicemail. It's good to hear you guys again, man. I'm three weeks without you guys as long. You know what I mean? I don't really listen to any other wrestling podcast, to be fair, so it's like, the fuck am I going to do without these fucking idiots? You know what I mean? Anyways, my question this week for you guys is... What do you guys consider the golden era of wrestling, quote-unquote, and why? Okay, thank you. Also, T-Mac, man. Big card this weekend, then. What are we saying, man? We, uh, is Rock going to get it done this time, or what? And is Usman's knees really popped and Chamar's going to fucking whoop, whoop his ass, or what? Anyways, until next week, boys. So, uh, uh, The golden uh, era of wrestling. If you're asking me... I mean, well, hold on. Let me answer that, the. Oh yeah. Let me oh, do the yes. MMA stuff just to knock it out, right? Mm-hmm. So the last question first. Um, Usman's knees, I do think, are fucked. He is older. Uh, he's also the 170 champion, going up to 185. I will also say that uh, uh, what's his ass, Kamzmat, has been fighting 170 pounders and acting like he's the shit at 185. That's a 15 pound difference. Um, so I would expect. Kamsmat to win, but Usman's the shit. Like he can win. I'm not saying he can't, but he's old and his knee did pop during that open workout, I think. So that stuck for him. As far as the rematch for Islam and Volkamania, Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh Volkanovsky is 35 and he just got off the couch and he lost the first fight. And that was when he prepared for him. So if you get good money. Bet Volkomania, bet Volkanovsky. But if you're just doing money line, who's going to win? Who's going to lose? Islam is going to win. But who knows? MMA is so crazy. One punch. You never know, right? Matt Sarah beat GSP and who the fuck ever saw that coming? Okay. So now you were saying the golden era is. My money's on Seabass. All right. So the golden era. <laughs> <laughs> Just to let you know what kind of comment that was, that's as if you're saying, oh, man, that body slam sure looked like it hurt, didn't it? These guys really don't like each other. Okay? So just 
Pump the brakes there, Tony Stewart. Pump the brakes. <laughs> so the question to us is, what do we consider the golden era of wrestling? Now, I think there's, you know, the two major eras that come to mind of, like, mainstream appeal, everybody knew who wrestling was, is what we always refer to as the golden era. Your Hogan, Piper, Rockin' Wrestling, Mr. T, mm -hmm. all that. And then the Attitude Era. Mm -hmm. If I'm picking between those two, I hedge towards the Attitude Era just because I feel like it was more of a pop culture in your face at that time. In the 80s, everybody knew who it was, but you didn't see everybody walk around with like wrestling shirts and things. And people talked about the wrestlers and they went to the wrestlers and they were on the on the TV shows and stuff. But like in the Attitude Era, you could go to the mall and one out of every four people might be wearing a wrestling shirt, right? Like they, oh, yeah. it was so there. But the caveat, I think, of that conversation is I think we might be living in it. TV ratings might be down, but like all of your social media ratings, their sales merch, their crowds, the numbers, industry-wide. NWA is getting a TV deal now. Impact is on wrestling. We have ROH coming out of the woodworks trying to get a TV deal. I think we might be in the golden era when it's all said and done of wrestling from a like global perspective. Um, mm -hmm. But for me, the attitude era could be beat of like just anybody and everybody was kind of a wrestling fan. Yes. Yes. I'm going to answer this two, two ways. I'm going to answer it objectively and say, you know, kind of like what you're saying here. And then I'm going to answer it subjectively for me when mm -hmm. I am wanting yeah. me, my thing, right? Objectively. I am going to say it's the Attitude Era. Because to your point, you had Celebrity Deathmatch with their highest rating of a claymation fight between Vince McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm -hmm. They did they did halftime heat on MTV where Mankind beat The Rock yep. for the World Championship during the Super Bowl and everyone watched it. Like people, eh, fuck the halftime yeah. show, we're going to watch The Rock and Mankind. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So... And again, yeah, to your point, walking around colleges, high schools, middle schools, and even some elementaries, it was a DX shirt, a Goldberg shirt, an NWO shirt. The Rock. Uh, yeah, The Rock, whatever, right? Like, yeah, it was everywhere. And their ratings, if I recall. Commercials. They were all over media. They had a all Super Bowl commercial, which you know how mm -hmm. expensive those motherfuckers are, mm -hmm. right? And then... You know, the other thing I was going to say is, uh, um, like pop culture wise, they were in other, like they're presenting awards. Like you don't see that anymore. Right. You know what I'm saying? Now mm -hmm. to your point, this could be it because of all the points you said. And also one other thing I would add <clears throat> is entertainment is so fragmented that ratings are down. Yeah. Because in 98, I had 12 options today. I've got 600. I could, mm -hmm. I could go down, um, like taking this to music, I could go down a music rabbit hole and never even know what the number one song in America is. Right. Yeah, exactly. Just be like, Oh my God, did you hear the new shit from Odessa or whatever? And you're like, you heard of, yeah, I could listen I, to a brand new artist and new song every day of my life from here on right. out and never know what, you know, the number one song in the nation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I agree. Yeah. Cause CW picked up NWA and impact is on axis and you know, AEW and WWE, all that now subjectively for me, ruthless aggression, ruthless mm. aggression. Is it? And this is why obviously we can talk about the invasion angle, fucking sucking. 
And to a larger point, it did. However, I lumped that in with the ruthless aggression era, right? That was kind of like the mm-hmm. start of it, the end of attitude era, kind of that middle yep. part. Yep. But subjectively, why I think it was the golden era is you had a Monday Night Raw where it was the NWO of Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Hulk Hogan versus Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. The only way you could do that before that was these fuckers, right? Like, yeah, yeah, you could only yeah. do it then. Couldn't even do it in video games back then. Like, the like creator wrestlers things weren't really up to snuff then, and it just wasn't. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And so you had the NWO versus Stone Cold and The Rock. Then you would have uh, emerging stars like Brock Lesnar, who is Brock Lesnar now, but he was going up against Undertaker. And then you Kurt still Angle. had. Yeah. Yeah, and then you still had Kurt Angle going up against Rey Mysterio, which was a WCW guy. And then a little bit later, you had Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels, because then Shawn Michaels came back, and he gave you all this fun shit where you're like, I never thought that would happen. And so those, like, fantasy matchups of Rob Van Dam versus Jeff Hardy, like, that wasn't a thing anyone thought of in 98, 99, but here it is in the Ruthless Aggression era. So... Obviously, you can talk about this guy and John Cena and all that. But for me, it was those fantasy matchups that made it like, this is so fucking cool. I love yeah. all of this. Hogan Rock at WrestleMania? Fuck yeah. You know what I mean? And so that's why it's my subjectively favorite golden era. Well, what what I love is fans asking us questions like this, like Ash like. did via sending us a call to table show at gmail.com because you could send your question to here to pro wrestling's best podcast. And we'll tell you what the golden era of wrestling was, or you could listen to Cornette and hear that the golden era of wrestling was Smoky mountain wrestling in 82 your choice. Or, or you could listen to fucking Dave Melter tell you about an unverified bullshit report. And then when it comes out that it's wrong, he tells you things change when it actually never fucking did. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, so again, your up. choice, but we'll leave you, you know, to to finish this episode and come back next week because then we get the threesome. The Spanish announce table.